game of basketball has taken us places we can never imagine. From winning four EuroLeague titles, playing six years in five countries, and making connections with people from all around the world. We have stories that can last a lifetime. All right, now it's time to tell yours. When I met Michael Jordan for the first time, and still to this day, if I see him, he's he's glowing. I, it just came down to, like I said, looking myself in the mirror, like, brother, you really do you want to play ball or not? I've never been in an environment like Euroleague, because you know, living over here in Europe, bro, how we kings over this time, bro. Right. <laughs> Denver Thuggets. <laughs> Appreciate y'all having us on here. This is Hoop Tales. What up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Hoop Tales. Um, today, I got a really, really special guest. Um, you know, this guy, you know, I mean, he's done a lot in his career, both on and off the basketball court. You know, we just kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, he's accomplished a lot. Um, you know, Kings Cup winner, couple to Ray. Um, Euro Cup MVP, um, and so on and so on. Um, you know, I just want to introduce, you know, one of my one of my good friends. You know, one of the best teammates, and everybody said that everybody we ever talked to always talks about how great of a teammate this guy is. Um, Dante Draper, Dante, what's, what's up, good, up? man? What's up, bro? Happy, what's up, bro? Happy to be on, man. I'm glad to see y'all doing something positive, man. It's dope. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Now we um we gonna jump right into it, bro. Like you know, with this. This whole COVID situation, anybody that follows you on Instagram, anybody knows you, you, you be all over. So, right. you know, how, how is this affecting you? Because, like, this probably, the, like you said, it's the first time that you've been sitting, like, sitting down in one spot probably for a minute. It's usually, you know I mean? One day you in Ibiza, one day you in a Monaco, one day you in Madrid, <laughs> one day you in L.A., one day you here. So, like, how's it been for, like, for you just to kind of just be, like, on ice for a minute? No, to be honest, it's, I'm kind of, like, used to this. Like, the whole, like, we playing ball overseas, so I'm kind of used to it, you know, like, except for, like, waking up and going to practice. I'm usually home, but the big yeah. thing, the restaurants and my nightlife, but, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's been cool, man. I got I got a chance to spend time in Miami. You know, I brought, I had a house there I brought in 2010, so that was the first time I actually was there, like, hanging out there, so that was cool. But besides that, I'm cool, man. It reminds me like when I'm playing overseas. You know, I'm in I'm in a house 80, 90 percent of the day anyway. Mm -hmm. So it allowed like this time, but it allowed me to like, you know, read a little, read a little bit more, but more audio books. Yeah. Learn about different things in life. Yeah, I see. Like you've been in, like I said, on your Instagram, you've been doing a little bit of everything. You've been cooking. You've been, you know, doing a little handiwork. Like so, like what what things got? What things have you kind of picked up? Yeah, like literally, I never done none of that stuff. You know, I always, I never cooked, I never do nothing. I always ate out. So when I was in Miami, I was about to call the, uh, the clean lady to come clean up. So I'm like, man, I'm gonna just do it myself. You know, I put some music on. <laughs> it started like started like that. You know, I like put some music on, and I just like basically like cleaned up everything. And then, like, the next day, let me tell you the craziest thing, how the internet worked. I'm on my Instagram, and I was looking for, like, light bulbs. Like, mm -hmm. Google my, uh, on my computer. So next day, I scroll on my Instagram, all these advertisement stuff showing up. 
I downloaded Amazon for the first time. I never had Amazon. Word. <laughs> so I downloaded Amazon and I just went ham. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> like out of my whole house, you know, like my kid. So it, it became like that. And I like YouTube. I YouTube everything. You can find yeah. everything. True, definitely find everything on YouTube for sure. Now, now get into like the beginning, man. So we 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 talked to Malcolm Delaney a little while ago, um, and he you know he touched on Baltimore, and we know we know how much, and me knowing you personally, know how much you know near and dear Baltimore is to you. But you know, talk about growing up in Baltimore, and like you know the internationally everybody talks about like as the wire but you know yeah. talk about you know talk about your, your your childhood growing up amongst like you know the the poverty the drugs the crime and all that stuff talk about you know talk about that for sure so i grew up in west baltimore actually like the, you know like the wire that's about where i'm from like my housing projects lexington mm -hmm. terrace housing projects so basically i grew up there all my life till i was about 12. you know and i and what's crazy is I never even like used to go around the city because in our projects it was huge. Yeah. At our own elementary school, our own rec center, our own stores, our own everything. I think it was like 18 acres or something like that. Like five, we had five, 17, we had five 12 story buildings and other low rises. So I had everything there. I didn't even know much about like East Baltimore, other parts of West Baltimore. I just knew Lexington Terrace projects. So, growing up in the projects, we just played sports every day because there was so many kids. Mm -hmm. Like, while all the all the crime and, and poverty going on, you you don't really know us because that's what I see every day. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we had a schedule. You go to school. When school let out, you go to the rec center. No, you go home, drop your books off, take your homework to the rec center. And then from, from there, you had the rec center from like three to like 7.30. So in the rec center, you gotta take your homework, you play pool, you do all the, all the stuff in the rec. And then you play sports. So every season was a, was a different sport. So it was football, mm -hmm. basketball, baseball, and we just played seasonally. So the craziest thing was I never was like, I never had like the dream of go to the NBA or none of that. You know, I just played sports when it was time for us to play sports. Football season, we played football. Basketball season, we played basketball. But I was always good at each sport. You know what I'm saying? I was always good at each sport, but that was just something that we did. Mm -hmm. And like crime was like every day. Like literally like one of my, like the building, like I, I grew up on the Saratoga Street side. So the Saratoga Street building, that's the building that we grew up in. but we moved outside of that building into a low rise, but I still had family members in that Saratoga Street building. Mm -hmm. And I remember like going into the building, as soon as you make, like go up in the staircase, you just see needles, people getting high. I hated Saratoga Street building. I used to be in Lexington Street building, but I hated Saratoga Street. But it was normal though, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You see it every day. When you see it every day, you don't really think nothing of it. Like even in the summer, I remember, Literally, like every summer, like every day of the summer, it probably was a shooting, you know. But we'd run, like literally, we'd play, we'd run, run from the shooting, go in, come right back out, like it was nothing, you know. So, so that was like basically like like that growing up. 
You could mm-hmm. you could like Google Lexington Terrace Projects. It was like one of the worst. You know what I'm saying? But when you growing up in it, you don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me, it was just like I was just playing sports, doing all the bad shit here and there. But most of the time, we was playing sports. You know what I'm saying? We was playing flag football, football, basketball, baseball. So we just had our own rec leagues. So I was always busy. And I never was really, I never watched like the NBA, which is crazy. Growing up back <laughs> Like I didn't pay attention to it. Like I, I didn't have like that childhood dream, like, oh, with the posters on my wall. Like, yeah. I want to go to the NBA. No, nah, that wasn't, that wasn't my childhood. We just played. I was good, but we, was, we just played it. It just basically kind of happened organically for you. like you Yeah, know. it happened organically, man. It happened organically. And uh, when I was 12, 12 or 13, they started moving. So they started moving people out the projects because they was uh, blowing it up, demolition. So once they moved, once they start moving people out, we start, I started to, like, see other parts of the city. So we moved out of there in the... I think in the seventh grade, sixth grade, six, sixth, seventh grade, we moved to another project like further in West Baltimore. So when we moved up there, then I start like meeting new people, start see, just start like seeing new diff, new things. And then I still was just a street ball, like playing in street ball basketball. Mm-hmm. And then from there, around like seventh grade, we went to another neighborhood that had a project too, but my, this time my grandmother had a house, like mm-hmm. two streets away from the uh, from another housing project. So from there, just still doing bad things. Football, football was my sport. So when I got to there, everybody knew me from football. So basically like every day, house, football, projects. And it was fun, man. Like growing the projects is fun because you got right. stuff every day. Like, I go outside, we plan every day. Like, I wasn't in the house, like, on video games. We was outside running the streets, having fun. So when did you, like, stick to just basketball? I know you played a lot of sports coming up. When did you kind of flip that switch and say it's basketball only? And then talk about some of the, the players that you played against coming up in Baltimore. Right. So when I really got focused on basketball was – Eighth grade, ninth grade year, my mother is a, is a kind of a long story, but my mother moved out. She moved in the county, like in the suburbs of Baltimore with her boyfriend. So that year, she was like, stop staying with your grandmother, come out and live with me for a little bit. But she was always taking care of me because my mother worked from like 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. Mm-hmm. at the post office. So she was like, yo, come out. Stay with me this year, go to school in the county for your eighth grade, and uh, just come out here. So I went out to the county for my eighth grade year, and every day <laughs> I was going to school, and then at like 2 p.m., she had to pick me up and take me all the way back in the city in the projects until she get off work. Mm-hmm. So like middle of the year, I start, I was failing. I was falling asleep in class. I was, <laughs> I was failing. So she was like, um, you know, my next door neighbor, like, they had a son too, around my age. He was like, see if you can stay out here for two days out the week and they'll watch you. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll watch you and then you just go in the house. And they said, yeah. So when I was out there, I started liking it. Again, mm-hmm. it was 
suburbs, more people, more different type of fun. So he was like, yo, come to try out with me. So I went to this one tryout and I was just killing it. It was a bunch of uh, county kids and I, I just killed it. And then I was on, I got picked up for that team. So like the third game into that team, one referee had seen me playing was like, yo, like, where you from? And I'm like, I'm from the city. He's like, I could tell something was different. He was like, do you mind playing for, um, you ever heard of AAU basketball? And at this time I'm like 13, I ain't play AAU or nothing. He was like, I want you to come down and, and try out in the city for our team. So I was like, cool. Went to try out in the city on East Baltimore though. I'm from West Baltimore, so this was an East Baltimore situation. What team was I, it? Cecil Kirk. Cecil Kirk, right? Yeah, we played against them. Yeah. That was what we played with Rudy team. Yeah, yeah. They all they all I'm gonna get to that. So, <laughs> so I went to go try out and here come and now at this point here, my coach here take on the duties of like once I once once I like practice here, take me back home. So I made the team and then that's when I met I was on the same team as like Rudy, Rudy Gay, Jack McClinton, Josh Boone. You know, they was on a younger team, like one year younger than me. So fast forward to the end of the year, and my mother breaks up with her boyfriend. Boom. So we go back to the city. So when we go back to the city, I'm a West Baltimore guy, playing <laughs> East Baltimore team. First time, like organized like basketball, you know what I'm saying? But it was all love. And then once I started playing AAU, then I started meeting new people in the city. You know what I'm saying? I started meeting new people. I started like interacting more with basketball, start watching it, and I started paying attention. So around like 13, 14, I started like really like paying attention, but I still didn't take it seriously until maybe like my 10th grade year, then I was like, okay, basketball is going to be my sport. And then uh, that, whole, that whole process was crazy because I never really paid that much attention. I never knew how nice guys was because I was just used to house league, this house league, we go play this team, and I ain't never really played AAU. So at that time, I started, I started really like paying attention and taking taking my toes, working out, and just focusing on basketball. And then as I got older, and then like, cause I always knew like other guys in the city. Then I started hanging out with Melo, my other homeboy, Tyler Smith, all hoopers. But I already knew Melo and those guys because they, they was from like the projects near mine. So we knew each other through football, but we just didn't hang out. Yeah. So we always knew each other, but we just didn't hang out. And then from like 11th, 12th grade, then it was really, I really tapped in. Because that's when I, me and Melo started hanging out, me and Tyler, and all those guys were the best guys in the city. So they, so they, basically, they basically turned you into a hooper, basically. Yeah. Like, around up, around but, but I was always good, but it, it, I just like took it. I started being around it more, you know what I'm saying? And, and those guys were like, nice. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was playing. So once I started being around them, we started going out, we started partying. Like every weekend, we'd always be together. And then things just went from there. 
That's dope. That's dope. Uh, I know you talked about, you know, your high school uh, career and all that. You said you started taking the game serious your 10th grade year. But let's talk about, like, your whole entire, um, you know, recruiting process. When you started, you know, getting looks at different colleges and people started, you know, you started getting that attention. Well, I, honestly, I never really got that much attention. I was, like, the worst player of my crew. Not the worst, mm-hmm. but I wasn't the best at that time. Right. I was just fast, I can dribble, and I knew how to run a team, and I played D. So I ain't never really had that big of recruiting. I was on JV until 11th grade. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't never really have like no big recruiting. But that year, when we went to Florida, we had Rudy, and they was younger. Like mm-hmm. my second, it was like 16, 17, nine, we was kind of, we was trash that year. So Al, so Al Coach was like, yo, we're bringing the young guys with you. And I was happy. Yeah. I was cool all those guys. And they had a squad. They was like one of the best 1600s in the city. It was Josh Boone, Jack McClinton, Rudy Gay, uh, Kid Tavon Nelson. They had a mob. Like, mm-hmm. they all went to Florida with us. And I remember it was like it was yesterday, man. Rudy, because Rudy from the – he from Baltimore. He a little bit out. But when Rudy came – he came and put on a show. We went to Florida and Rudy went off. Mm-hmm. That, that was like his, uh, his, his coming out party. He was like only like in the 10th grade, ninth or 10th grade. And when we went down there, everybody started coming to see Rudy. Everybody started coming to see Josh. And then next thing you know, all the smaller, like mid-major schools, they start hitting me up. And then after that summer, I had College of Charleston, uh, Man, what's the school in uh, Pittsburgh? Robbie Morris in Siena. So there was the three schools that was like, kept uh, kept hitting me up. And then like my 12th grade year still was the same. And my coach was like, yo, go to prep school for one year because I ain't had a grades to, uh, mm-hmm. to prep school. So he was like, go to prep school for one year and then uh, we see where it go. And then I left that. And then when I went to prep school, that was another stage in my life. Then I became, I became good. Yeah. Because that was the first time I was, I was away from Baltimore. So when I went up to prep school, all my other guys that I played AU with, they all went to prep school too. But they all went to like, to like the prep schools that was like top 10 in the country for basketball. You know what I'm saying? So I went to, coach put me at, a real live prep school, upstate New York. York. We went to school six days a week, shirt, tie, blazer every day. Where where at upstate though? Where at? All in New York. Okay. One of the richest schools in like, in New York. Yeah. That, That first year, they had got a new coach and the coach started to, I think he had scholarship money and he was trying to bring, bring the basketball up. So I goes up there. That's my first time around white people. First time, you know what I'm saying? So I don't really, and I'm already like somewhat quiet. So I'm like alone, but mm-hmm. every morning I had the key to the gym because we stayed in the big campus. So literally I just used to go to the gym for, hour and a half before my uh before we had to eat breakfast and and do form shooting for like mm-hmm. hour 
You know what I'm saying? Because my shot was behind my head, so I couldn't mm-hmm. shoot what I had to do. So I was doing that every every morning. Every morning, I wasn't taking no jump shots. So literally, like, one month in, I was like, okay, let me let me see where I'm at. The next thing you know, my shots start coming here. Mm-hmm. So I got a little bit more confident. And that year, I wasn't making shots. But I was all, but I was like getting the confidence that I could shoot now. Like it felt comfortable. And I remember like the first week when schools got to come out, we had Dante Milligan. You know Dante Milligan? Yeah. Yeah. So Dante had a lot of big schools, a lot of big schools coming up there, like Pittsburgh, UMass, like everybody. So I used to bust ass like in, the, in, that, in those pickup games. I used to go nuts because I had the confidence now that I could shoot. And I remember like the U, so like College of Charleston was still, they were still, all those schools were still recruiting. But then UMass, I came and started talking to me like, yo, like UMass and Fordham was like, what you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? They start inter- they start like talking more. And I was kind of like, leaning towards that, you know, like a bigger school, still like a major school. So I was like kind of kind of going with the going with the process. And then like the college of Charleston coach flew up there there like the next week. <laughs> and he kinda knew he kind like he has kind of knew something was going on. He flew up there the next week, seen us play pickup and then he put the pressure on me like, yo, like you gotta sign it was two signing periods. And UMass came, uh, Fordham. I think it was like, it was another mid-major, beginning with a D, I can't remember. But they was like, yo, like, if you can hold out to the next signing period, done. UMass was like, done deal, like if you hold out. So College of Charleston came up there and they was, and they was the ones that was showing love from day one. Mm-hmm. So came up there and was like, yo, this is what you got to do. We need to get you on campus. You need to take a visit. Boom, boom, boom. So I'm like, cool. And then at prep school, I was every we was doing anything to get off campus. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we went, school, we went to school six days a week. So Wednesdays, Wednesdays was like Wednesdays and Saturdays was half a days. That was like the sports day. So I took I took the visit to College of Charleston. I was like blown away. Like yeah. at the second day, I was like, dang, I'm coming here. But then I took still three other vi- I took Robert Morris. <laughs> <'Cause I'm, laughs> you know? So I, I locked that up with College of Charleston, you know, because they was the ones from day one, the coach like actually like seeing where I can be or what I can do. Like he knew that I was just getting into like basketball, you know, so. That's why I went to the College of Charleston. Oh, talk talk hey. about like your, your adjustment. Um, like you said, I mean, you you went to the prep school, but talk about like like Charleston is definitely not Baltimore. So yeah. you know, talk about like you, you like that adjustment. Um, you know, going to Charleston for the first time, going down south for the first time, like you know, going to South Carolina. Like, what was that whole experience like Man, initially prep, for you? That prep school prepared me for everything that I went through in life, even to this mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because that was the first time I was around white people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I remember being in my being in my dorm room for like 
every night. Like at the study hall, I just closed my door and I was alone. You know, I'm used yeah. to being alone. So one day, this Italian kid came down, knocked on my door and was like, yo, like my name's such and such. We watching a movie up in my room. You know, like if you want to come up, come up. He was like, we got some, uh, we, we took some alcohol from the town. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you know, prep school is like the movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, we watch it, we're gonna watch the ring tonight, come up. So I'm like, I ain't got shit to do. Went to the room, it's like six of us in there. And that 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 night changed my whole life, bro, because I'm like, damn, these motherfuckers cool. Because yeah. coming from the projects in Baltimore, you it's like kinda like taught that. Yeah. <laughs> Bad, that race is bad. So it's like, once I was in that room, we got the drinking, and these guys was they was they was crazy, man. Like, <laughs> I like one in the morning, we still in there. At this time, we like I think sixteen, drunk, and then they, I'm gonna just say, just like the movies, like with all that haze and stuff and all that, it's real. That shit is real. Cause that night, those guys went out. It's some wild shit. So, <laughs> so, 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 so after that night, I remember like it was yesterday. I called my mother because we ain't had no cell phones up there. We had like one phone for the whole entire floor. You know what I'm saying? We ain't had no cell phones. So, so this dorm, in this dorm, we had no TVs, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? No cell phones. And I remember calling my uh, calling my mother the next day, like, ma. You know, like white people, like they actually cool. You know what I'm saying? I, like, they actually, <laughs> so I start vibing. Like every day, I had my little clip outside my basketball crew. I had my whole other crew that was in my dorm. So that like literally like helped me for life. You know what I'm saying? Being around that every day. You know, because all those kids was like once I found out they all was like rich kids. I didn't know that. Like yeah. impressed. I ain't never really asked questions, but all those kids was rich. And still to this day, I'm friends with some of them, and they all like billionaires, families. Mm-hmm. Cool. At that time, I didn't know that. And I didn't really care. I didn't really judge, you know, nobody. I was just being cool with them because they was nice to me. So fast forward that to college, it was the same shit. Same, same shit. Like, as soon as I step on campus, meet people, and then it's just like, People just want to hang around, so I ain't, yeah. I, I ain't, I ain't disrespectful to no one. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a greet you how you greet me, and we we stay cool. And if you we vibe together, then we we stay friends for longer. So that's how I went about college. As a freshman, it was crazy. As a freshman, <laughs> I ain't really like get the like partying and the like messing with girls, none of that. Like I wanted to my freshman year, you know what I'm saying? But my, my roommate was killing me, like killing mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we start meeting, because we went to a summer program. So you go in the summer, like all the black students, it's called cool. Spectrum. So you go in the summer, you meet all the people that you're going to meet during the year. So as soon as like the first two weeks of school, we meet now, everybody, we going to all these different parties, my roommate, Nigga get a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks in, two weeks in, he get a girlfriend. 
So I don't really know too many other people. And the three people that I came in my class with, three freshmen, one was a white boy, me and Jabari. So me and him, we had plans going to this part, this part. Once he got a girlfriend, everything was out. So I wasn't going to go out by myself, you know what I'm saying? So that year was kind of, it was fun, but it was also like, come on, man. But then I also, but I also met a lot of upperclassmen that I was hanging out with. So that, yeah. that was cool. So yeah, so my college approach was kind of like easy because I went through it already from the year before. You know what I'm saying? In prep school. So that, that prep school year prepared me for everything. And then college was some of the best years of my life. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, on the court. You know, what was it like playing college, Division One ball? They talk about some of the battles playing in SOCON against like UNCG or Davidson. Yeah, man. So the, the SOCON was, I loved it, man, because coming, oh. in as, coming, in as, coming in as a freshman, you know, coach told me I was going to play. But my, my job as a freshman, yeah, I was like, and I'm going to fast forward this to like Real Madrid, it kind of was like the same, you know what I'm saying? I had to come in, play defense, change the rhythm of the game, change the tempo of the game, and just, and I had the freedom. Coach always gave me the freedom, but my job for that team for my freshman year was like defense, do my job. When I come in the game, I want the score to be higher than what, you know, than what it was. You know what I'm saying? So that was my role. And then every year I just got better, man. Being with Melo, that changed. He 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 done a lot for me in my life, you know what I'm saying? But being with him throughout every year, every off season, I just completely got better. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was like a night and day from uh, from the two years. So after that, after my freshman year, I just had to go in and just guard the best guys. And I remember my toughest test was uh, Timmy Smith, East so, Tennessee State. When the East Tennessee State, <laughs> yeah. so he was lighting everybody up, like even yeah. like. Who was in the tournament? And I remember coach started me that game. Freshman. He was like, yo, guard this motherfucker. And our coach used to talk mad shit, Tom Marion. So, and I used to, I'm like growing up in Baltimore, that was like, I was like, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? So I remember that game. I just used to, I was just watching him. And he never went right that much. And if he went right, he always came back. So if you ain't really, he ain't really have like the, the irky jerky. He was just so fast, changed pace and running. So I was just sitting on this right hand, sitting on this right hand, like keeping my elbow. And then after that, after the game, we like won. And I was like, this the best player, you know, like, like this is the best player in the, in the league. You know, but all confidence, no disrespect to him because he was killing everybody. Yeah. Just like. When I was guarding him, he couldn't really do the things that he could do. So after that, I was like, okay. But I, I'm like, I'm going to do this, but I don't want to be <laughs> this player for four years. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be just like a defensive player for my four years. So every year when I left, I go straight to Mellow Crib in Denver. So as soon as I get to Denver, we working out from, from that day. From that day to the end of the summer.
sometimes twice a day. And then when I used to, when I come back to school, I just had big confidence, yeah. like big confidence. You know what I'm saying? So I come back. So my freshman year, I think I averaged like three points a game. My sophomore year, I came back, and I supposed to be a starting point guard that year, but coach fucked me over. And he was like, uh, it was another shooting guard named Tony Mitchell. He was he was small, like six. He was like six feet, but Tony yeah. could shoot the ice out. You know, you remember, you played against Tony or no? Yeah, I played Tony. Yeah, yeah. Tony could shoot the shoot the lights out, but he's not a real point guard. So coach was like, "Uh, oh, I don't want to start both of y'all too small. I'm gonna start Drew Hall." So Drew is my man. Drew transferred from Georgetown. Georgetown, and he sat out for a whole year. So I'm like, "Oh man!" So I'm already pissed. Like I'm pissed. You know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to start. So that year, I, that was the only year I played with, in my life. I played with, like with a chip on my shoulder. You know what I'm saying? Like I went in and like, fuck it, I'm gonna be so, like if I come in the game, long as I do my job and I'm score, I'm happy with it. And that year, I averaged twelve, like twelve point eight. And then that summer, another part of my life, everything changed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think Melo. And all those guys had to train for the Olympics. So as soon as that happened, we was in D.C., like, working out twice a day for, like, a week. And then he left. And then we was just working out crazy all summer. And then I came back to school. Like, it was it was the rap. Like, Tony, that's when, I, that's when CP, that's, I think that's when Chris Paul was coming out. So we was working, I was working out against Chris Paul, Justin Gray, like all these guys in DC. And again, mentality, Kyle, you know, like coming out of school, yeah. school. I'm like, damn, I see these guys on TV. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm actually facing these guys one-on-one and all that, I can hold my own. And I was actually winning some games. So my junior year, I came back and I was just like killing everybody in the summer. And my coach brought me in was like, yo, this year I want you to play the two. So I kind of was like, nah, you know, I want the ball in my hand. This is the first time I'm going to be starting. Yeah. I want the ball. And he was like, well, Drew, you and Drew going to be in the back backcourt. Both of y'all got the green light. So he was like, you both got the green light, so it don't matter if you bring it up. So I'm like, cool. And that year, I I, I killed everybody in the SoCon. I think I had hey, like bro. 18.6, and I was getting like boxing ones. But I yeah. just, adjust, you know, I was just, I just adjusted because if I'm gonna play the two, I'm just gonna watch how shooting guards work. But the hardest thing about playing two was defending. I couldn't defend twos because yeah. I hated off screens. I hated like a lot of times I used to get caught back door sleeping. You know what I'm saying? You know how you gotta watch the whole court. There's a big difference guarding a point guard and guarding a shooting guard. Point guard, you kind of you kind of can relax a little bit, you know. They running the team, but a two guard, he's all over the place. So that year, it was fun, and then after that, That's it was got getting better. I just remember like y'all, y'all, like y'all niggas. I seen the pictures you put up a couple of days ago. Like y'all had like a like y'all team was really like the goon squad. Like 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 oh like niggas is, like teams in SoCon was scared of y'all. Like y'all niggas like y'all had all the JUCO transfers. 
Y'all had all like y'all like y'all had like your team was like literally like I don't even want to say the wrong way, but it was like y'all did like like straight goons. Everybody had cornrows. Everybody had tattoos. Yo, everybody was like older. So I remember like we pulled up. I remember the first year we played. Y'all had the uh, what's the old dude? Uh, uh, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, the dread. Yeah. He was like 29 years old. I'm like, yo, this dude, I'm 18. I'm like, this dude's a grown man. <laughs> I'm like, but that, y'all had somebody like, y'all, y'all team was like that every year, bro. It was like, y'all had like straight goons. I was like, yo, this is. Yo, because, because our coach, our coach was crazy. So he used to, he used to recruit the guys that didn't get like the bigger, bigger, bigger jobs because of whatever reason. You know what I'm saying? So they all come. Come to our school. I ain't gonna never forget this shit in my life. So we go play. We go play UNCG. And at this time, it's two sides to the conference. So I don't even. Again, I don't even know what's going on over there on that side with UNCG, Kyle Hines. I wasn't really fast. I'm just thinking about our side of the conference. So we go over there and. Uh, I think I had the first game, I had like 28 or something. The first game, you, you smacked us, I think. One of those games, you Yeah, us. we came back. So we goes back, I think my, the next year, and we going through the scout report. We just see Kyle, like, Lord dude, Lord center. <laughs> so that whole time we going to Charlotte, we had Josh Jackson and Jermaine Johnson. So Josh is doing like, that's when like all these dances in Atlanta. So we in shoot around that morning and these niggas is clowning, like clowning all day. <laughs> you know when they, they call your name out like, number four, Josh Jackson. So he's doing all that. Man, Kyle came out and had maybe like tw- something, something crazy stat line, like crazy. And I remember the coach in the locker room, yeah. Yeah, fucking Kyle Hines. <laughs> we had to watch. We had to watch the uh, like we had a loss like that. We had to watch it on the uh, watch it on a bus. So he was like, "Yeah, Kyle Hines, all this dancing, lay up, give me that shit." Kyle. <laughs> you block. You had blocked David Lawrence. Dave had like a, a wide open layup. You remember this? You had yeah. blocked the shot. He kept looking back, man. And that coach was crazy. And that's when I knew, like, damn. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. I didn't really pay attention. What's going on over there? I'm looking, and then I start looking at this nigga's stats. I'm like, yeah. oh shit. You know what I'm <laughs> and it's the same like my senior season. I'm thinking I'm running away with the. Uh, MVP. I stole, I stole that drill for you. I'm thinking I'm running away. I'm running away with the MVP. Next thing I know, I look over there, I'm like, looking at his numbers, like, ah, I wasn't mad, but I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, SOCOM was like that. We had so many, like, talented players. And it, it just wasn't a matter of fact, like, the bigger, the smaller school was just at that time. Like if you, it was like a, what they call the NBA, like eye test. We don't yeah. fit, yeah, we don't we fit the eye test, eye test of the right. bigger conference. It's true, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm five eleven, Kyle six. You know we just don't fit the eye test. But if you give everybody like that fair opportunity, we are gonna ball out. And I remember 
my senior year. Did y'all make the tournament my senior year? No, nah, because of uh, uh, Steph. That's why. Going to that. <laughs> so my senior year. <laughs> Listen, so, so, my, so my senior year, Bobby Crimmins came. And Bobby, my best coach I ever had in my life, dude. Like, you talking about, like, people's person, team player. Bobby came, threw me the keys, changed the offense, whatever I needed. And that year, we had kid DJ Thompson. I'm going to get back to that. DJ, Kyle, and Steph was a freshman, but Steph – was kind of up and down. He was just he was just running and shooting, running and shooting. Shooting, bro, just shooting. That's all Steph did was just shoot, bro. Shoot and turn over the ball. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was playing against Appalachian State, and that and then like the first week of the season, I was kind of like struggling because I didn't, I was coming off playing the two, and I moved back to the point. So I was kind of struggling to score pass, get people the ball. It was really hard because I was thinking too much. And we struggled because it'd be like some games I passed for like five straight possessions. I was like predetermined or how I'm going to play. And that was that was totally wrong. And then coach called me in one day and was like, yo, I got a system for you. You know, I had this in Georgia Tech with Kenny, with Kenny, Kenny Anderson and all this, blah, blah, blah. It was like a motion, motion game. First first game he put in there, we played against Appalachian State at our at our place. Mm-hmm. And that, it was whipping everybody. So coming out, coach always was like, this guy DJ, DJ this, DJ that. He's a good player. <laughs> so no disrespect to the guy, DJ Thompson. I'm just looking how he played. Like I'm looking how he moved. Like he's a good player. But I'm like, he ain't like that, like that. Coach, <laughs> talking to him. In that game, he came out, and he had a good game. And I played, I think I had, I don't think I made a field goal. Mm-hmm. But I was, all this shit was going to my mind because I, I didn't really know how to play in the system. You know, it was new. So it'd be like some games I'd go on the stretch where i shoot maybe five times in a row. Mm-hmm. And that game, I was just missing. And we lost. And then after that, I started getting better with the system. So fast forward to the conference tournament. My last go around, I'm just listening. This one, Plies first came out. The old Plies first came out. I'm listening to that every day. And we beat, uh, what's another crazy team? They had a bunch of crazy niggas too. Uh, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, yeah. So they, they, had, a, they had a guard, El Nesbitt who's nice. Al Nesbitt was nice. Him and uh, Jeannie. Some yeah, Jeannie. Dante, Dante Jeannie, something like that. So we, we start off playing them. You know me, I'm just going about the game, running the team. I'll never talk shit. Not this dude, Jeannie. <laughs> like, hit a three and like bump me. I'm like, all right. Killed them. I think I finished like 20 and like eight. So the next game we have uh we have a shoot around and this time I think Appalachian State might be ranked at this mm-hmm. at this moment. So they comes in the shoot around. I just hear these niggas loud, like in the in the uh 
like in the lobby, like saying these chants and all this shit. And I'm like, these dudes is so arrogant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm ready to play. So we go back that whole night. I'm just thinking about everything. Coach keep talking about DJ this, DJ that. I'm like, all right. Next game, 38. Like 38. That, I don't, I don't take, I don't take two. Not a lot of things personal, but that game was like personal. You know what I'm saying? That game, that game was personal because coach was blind. He just kept ringing in my ear. Look how fast he is. Look how defense he is. You know how it is as a hooper. You hear that? Like, but that's how Coach Crimmins was. You know, he just liked everybody game. And then goes to the championship game, fucking with Steph, man. We had it. We was beating him the whole game. You know, they helped. Like, Davidson always, like, helped me in check. They had a good scheme, good coach. They used to, like, uh, shade me, like, going up the court. And I never really got into rhythm, but I knew how to get my other teammates involved. We beating them the whole game. And I remember this play like it was yesterday. Steph come down. You know how the point guard used to go to the foul line and the guy, they just used to cross on the baseline. Yeah. And my, my David Lawrence tripped. Steph oh. wide open. Bang, with like three minutes left, and I'm like, almost. Oh, so they go up two. You know, playing against Davidson, they control the shit out the clock. They control the game. Steph hit another three. I'm like, oh, my God. We lost. I was hurt. I was like, dang, that was my chance to go to the tournament. Hey. Man, like, I, I was, it was similar to, like, like when, like, we, when, uh, when Steph, like, right before Steph came, it was, like, me and you. So we was like, you know, we was like, yo, this like this is the robbery. This is our turn. And we was like, Davis sure. is going down. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Steph came and he just like messed up all our plans, fucked up all our plans. Like we exactly because like, <laughs> at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season, he was just like when I was a when I was a y'all was you was a uh you one grade younger than me, but junior, Steph yeah. was just screens. Like he ain't had a ball, he was dribbling crazy, crazy screens, just shooting. And I was Pissed that got it that year because they wasn't even like that that year. The year before they was nice. They had uh, what was the shooting guard? Oh, uh, Brandon Winters. Yeah, you win this nice. Yeah, it's cold. They had the point what? guard. I was tight. Oh, yo, funny story. We got. I got. I got to talk about this too because you were gone though. Speaking like motivation, we talked about this before. Your man, uh, Jack, what was it Jeremy uh, Jermaine Jackson? Jermaine, oh my! I heard <laughs> so, about yeah, so, so, look, look, <laughs> I heard about. So, I leave, so I leave, but Jermaine always liked it. So Jermaine Jackson is, all, you know, he a politician now. Yeah, really? That's a, yeah, but look, so Jermaine always was like Jermaine was like, he was super arrogant, like, like. This is my shit. Cali dude, like, give me the ball. I'm the best. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Man, they said Kyle went nuts. Bro, the, the, the story was, though, because we had shoot around. And, you know, me, like, that. Like at the time, I'm like, you know, I'm not even like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm cool, even man. Sure. So my coach came back, and he, he gave me the newspaper article. And the newspaper article, like, Jermaine was like, yeah, Kyle Hines, they didn't even like that, this, that, and the other. 
Like he was like basically just like talking shit. So I was like, all right, and I just gave it back to him, but I kept it in my mind. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know what happened. Something just switched. And like I like it was like five plays in a row where I like I just scored, like I dunked on him, I hit a three, I did something else, dunked on him again, blocked this shot. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> no, every, no, they hit me up. They hit me up. I swear they hit me up. Because because Josh, because coach got it on Josh their freshman year about dancing, and you yeah. did that. Yeah. And then Jermaine, Jermaine was like, I ain't get none of that. Now, it wasn't me, it was George. And then fast forward into that game, I remember that. They said it was bad, though. Bro, yeah, that was like, I don't know. I, I was just like, I literally was like in an outer body experience. I was like one of like, the, that was like the best, like, in my career, that was like the best, like, seven plays I had in a row. Like, I don't know what happened. And literally, like, everything just happened perfectly. That shit was crazy, bro. Like, but I didn't remember, like, that going back and forth, like, Kyle's and Charleston. It was, that shit was yeah, fun, like, man. That shit was I'll fun times, man. Like me and you have like similar like on-court personality. It, it, it would have to take, it would have to take like really something to, like, to go to a, a whole nother extreme. That's crazy. That's dope though. It's good to hear them stories. We gotta uh, we gotta talk about your professional process though, man. You know now uh, you know you graduating from College Charleston. Hold up, we gotta backtrack a little bit. How did it feel to get that degree? I ain't getting no degree. <laughs> oh, you get no degree? Oh, no. Like, so, so my mindset, so I think kind of different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never was a school person. You know, I never really liked school, but I was always, like, a curious person. I always wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. So I never thought that I would get a nine-to-five job for something mm -hmm. that I went to school. You know what I'm saying? So... At that time, when I look back, only thing I wish I would have learned in college was learning more about like the basic business, the basic whatever I want to do in life. I wish I would have took that opportunity to learn in school. Mm -hmm. But I never was like a, a a school guy. I did always did enough to play basketball. I always did enough to play basketball, but I never I never was a fan of school. Because I, I never liked what they was teaching. Like, I always thought, like, what I'm going to do in 10 years, what I'm going to do with trigonometry or what I'm going to do right. with right. this type right. of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, no disrespect to the people that got their degrees, but I knew I was going to make my money through basketball. So, like, my senior year, I, had a, I was on pace to graduate, but then I took a summer class and I kept falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Crimmins, you know, Coach Crimmins came to me and was like, what are you going to do, man? Because if you stay in it and you fail, you can't play. But if you drop it, you can play. Coach Crimmins wanted me to stay in it. He was like, I believe in you. I believe in you. Like, nah, I ain't going to pass this class. And I dropped out. <laughs> and I dropped out. <laughs> so I ain't get my degree. You know, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? So school wasn't really that big of a, like, thing of mine, you know? Like, my mother wanted me to graduate, my family. I just asked, like, why? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always ask, you know what I'm saying? No disrespect to my mother, because she want to see her child graduate, but I'm like, yeah. why? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like yeah, people graduate, yeah, and get a job. 
and don't do nothing. Man. Not knocking people who went to school and study, like got their degree. That's, that's amazing. That's probably because your mom always wanted that. Yeah. You ain't ever get a chance to think about it to do it yourself. Right, right. Yeah, we gotta talk about that pro process now, though. How it was for you? So, you know, going into going into uh, that whole process. Yeah. So, so that was basically like the pro process. It basically started when I was like eighteen. 17, when Melo first got to the league. Mm -hmm. So that whole shit when Melo got to the league, my life changed like this. So flying on private jets, going everywhere. And once I saw all this stuff, I was like, fuck, I I want my own bread. Because I used to hate, hate, you know, like Melo used to take care of us. But they Mm -hmm. were like, if I wanted to take a girl to the movies, I had to ask Mello for $20 or $100. I just hated that. You know what I'm saying? So my whole pro process was, man, I, I just want to make my own money. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want my own money because I was living a crazy lifestyle, like crazy lifestyle. So I was just like, I want my own money. So going into that, like I never had to, I never auditioned for no agents, nothing. I just, one day after my season was over, I hit Mellow agent at the time, like, yo, can you can you represent me? I was like, yo, can you like do you got time to represent me? So he was like, I'll take a look. So I sent them all my all my stuff. And then he ain't never watched it either. He ain't never really paid attention. And he was he just thought like one of the homeboys. He knew I played, but he ain't really oh, paid so attention. He didn't even know you was like a hooper like that, really. No, he knew I was who because we was together every day, but yeah. he didn't even know, like, I had oh. a future like basketball. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? All his clients was all NBA players. He ain't had no overseas people. So I gave him my stuff. And then he hit me back, like, a week later. He was like, shit, like, you might got to, you know, we might can we might can do some things. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Don't tight. So after that, after the season, he was like, Two weeks in, he was like, yeah, I'm going to send you the paperwork. We good to go. Like, I'm, let's see what you're going to do. So, and at that time, Bobby Crimmins, he was on. He was my biggest number one fan. So, Bobby was like, he could, I'm, in, I'm in the office. And Bobby old as hell. And Bobby calling, Bobby calling NBA execs. Like, yo, like, what do you think? He, Bobby had San Antonio. Indiana Pacers, like three NBA teams just to come. You know what I'm saying? Come watch y'all, watch the games. And uh, after the season, Calvin set up an NBA workout with uh, uh, Golden State Warriors. But my other was with Coach Crimmins. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So Coach Crimmins set that up. And uh, I worked out, you know, things was okay. And then uh, I ain't had no, like, office for summer league or nothing. But then Calvin was like, we're going to use Denver. You know what I'm saying? Because I worked out with them every summer. Yeah, yeah you were there. Yeah, they knew you. you know, I was there. I was there every summer when Melo was there, so they knew me. So once Calvin put the word in, like the favor, it was a favor mm-hmm. because of Melo, they get the favor pass. And then once I got the favor pass and I went to camp, went with the little mini camp, I did my thing and I played. Mm-hmm. 
So that's basically how that started, you know what I'm saying? And then once I got to Denver, those guys really, they knew me. Like, I was like part of the family because I was always there. So they let me rock out, and I just and I just went along like that. And then after the summer league, during the summer league, I was getting offered. I had like two. I had an offer from Turkey and an offer from Slovenia. So during the summer league, I'm like, man, I ain't going to none of those countries. You know, because, <laughs> you know, we ain't never heard. Like, I heard of Italy. I heard of Spain. <laughs> but I ain't never heard of, I ain't never heard of, like, Turkey, Slovenian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this was funny. We're in Vegas, and I can never forget this, too. I always get my Asian shit. So my Asian is Roddy. You know Roddy? Roddy's pretty Yeah, good. yeah. So I remember this. So after my game, like, after my second game, I didn't really do much. And, uh, Calvin introduced me to the European agent. Cause they got a BDA is a big company, so he, and he like, hey, Roddy, this this Dante Draper, boom, boom. Roddy gives me this and just kept walking. <laughs> 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 so I'm uh, like, big off, I'm big off energy and vibes, <laughs> and I do like he just gave me like the uh, the boom, the <laughs> boom. <laughs> 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 Next to the last, next to the last game, I had a big game against the Lakers. One of those games, I just was on fire from three. I had 18 points against the Lakers. So the next time after that game, I had a meeting again with Calvin and Rade. This time, Rade was like, "Hey, good game. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept telling me, "You gotta shoot more. You gotta shoot more. You gotta." <laughs> So he was like, I think I can find something for you. And then the next day, because he's from Slovenia, yeah. he was like, he was like, he didn't want like I got a job for you in Slovenia. I think it was like 75 or 80,000. 80, mm -hmm. The Turkish team came and I was like, I was like, I ain't going to no Turkey. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, So I shot both of like which was crash shot both of those my first two offers down, and I just was like, I ain't going to none of those countries. So I went, we went straight back to Denver. I went back to Denver, you know, living my good life. But I was also like working out at the same time. Still with no clue what I'm going to do, but I know I ain't going to Turkey or Slovenia. <laughs> <laughs> at this time it's around, it's like the beginning of September. And now and I start to see like everyone going overseas, everyone doing this and that. And I still don't got nothing. And then the, the the coach from the Denver Nuggets, Mike Dunlap, hit me. Was like, "Yo, I got a, I got a, my best friend coaching in Australia. He looking for a point guard. I I told him a lot about you, and he's interested." I'm like, "All right, bet. I do Australia. You know what I'm saying? They speak English. I do yeah. Australia." So I hit my agent. He called Roddy, and Roddy was like, "No." This is not our market. We can't do Australia. So I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so he was like, he was like, he was like Europe. He was like, we need to go in Europe. And I'm like, I hearing all these stories about people not getting paid and all that. So I'm like, man, I'm like, all right. So our car coach Dunlap and they was like, well, this is not our, uh, this is not our market. And my Dunlap was like, 
telling you this would be the best decision. So I'm like, okay. Four days later, Melo was like, yo, what you gonna do? You gonna go play? I'm like, shit, I ain't getting nothing I want. That night I got a call at like 11 a.m. fucking uh, Denver time. No, 11 p.m. at night, Denver time. My agent was like, yo, I just talked to Sydney and they won't, they won't give you the deal. And they gonna give you like 15,000 a month. And that was fucking three times the other <laughs> offer. Like, but he's doing it. So I ain't, I ain't even care. I'm like, I'm done. I'm going. Yeah, going. <laughs> it happened just like that. And it ain't like my agent, it was crazy. It ain't like my agent went out there and found the job. It was the assistant coach, Nugget, <laughs> who contacted another coach and got me on. So, Signed the deal just like that, and then two days, I had to fly to I had to fly, I had to go to Baltimore, pack the rest of my stuff, and I straight to Australia. So you you had a pretty good season. I mean, your first season in Australia, you know, you six in the year. Y'all so first year in Sydney. So I get to Sydney, and it was that was a big adjustment too because of the time difference. You know, over there they're like. A day ahead. Twelve hours ahead, yeah. Imagine that they're a whole day ahead. So I get to Sydney for two days, and then the next day we had to travel. No, I get to Sydney, and in two days we had to travel to China for uh, it was like a Euro League, a Euro League thing, like a Euro League tournament thing. It was like Benetton Treviso, Sesco Moscow. It's crazy, Sesco Moscow. It's crazy. And Team China with Yao Ming and them. Mm-hmm. Crazy and us. So we go, I never forget this either. We go over there and, you know, I'm practicing playing. He, and coach was like, and the head coach was cool as shit, Brian Gorgian. He was like, yo, so we're playing against this team, Seska Moscow. It's like the biggest team in Europe, you know, like this and that. Like, yo, like, I'm going to start you. This is my first professional game against Seska. He was like, yo, I'm going to start you and, you know, just do your thing. You know what I'm saying? This is a big test for us. So we played Saskia, and I'm, like, killing. Like, I had, like, mm-hmm. eight. And then, and Coach was, again, Coach was telling him, like, yo, this is one of the best point guards in Europe, J.R. Holden. Dude. But, again, I'm looking at it like, he ain't got none of this. But I'm like, Nice, you know. I never disrespect like he's nice, but he ain't got. You know, he ain't got none of that. He's just a great point guard. So while we in the game, so I already went in there with like a a chip. So I had like eighteen. We almost beat Seska that year, but they had a squad like Trajan Langdon, all those guys. And uh, I remember talking to um, Jr. Holden during the game. He he was like, "Yo, like, like you good? You know what I'm saying?" And, And he was like, "Yo." You know, he was very positive, like a cool dude. And then uh, we played all those European teams, and I played well against them. And then that year, and I started all those games. So we go back to Australia, and coach put me on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> but just imagine that, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a foreigner, you come into Australia, you know you. I'm, like, better than a lot of guys. Coach straight put me and the other American on the, like, 
coming off the bench. That's unheard of. But we had a lot of – we had all the national team players on our team. Mm-hmm. So we had the national team point guard that was playing in front of me. We had a lot of good players. So, man, I was tight. You know, I was tight. And uh, he was like, yo, don't worry. You coming off the bench. And then I went to practice the next day, like Moody. You know what I'm saying? Like Moody didn't want to do nothing. Coach put me in his offense. It's like, we, we can't have you practicing like that. If you was in Europe, you would be home right now. You got to pick it up. He was like, you got to start talking to your teammates. You know, like, you can't wear your headphones on all the time. You know, like, typical Americans, like, when we came over there, I just listened to my music, do my job, wasn't really talkative. He was like, yo, just come in here without your earphones and communicate. After that, I didn't do that. I didn't wear my headphones again. And I just, like, fuck it. Ain't nothing I can do. I'm going to just take this six-man role and just do what I can do. And he gave me the green light with this six-man role. You know what I'm saying? So when I came in the game, everything went through me. So I had an amazing season. I got, like, six-man of the year. I think I probably averaged, like, 15, 14. But it was cool, though. You know, like, I adjusted to my role very fine, very well. Talk about like talk about the 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 lifestyle in Sydney though like Sydney Australia because I, I I seen a I seen a quote it was uh they <laughs> it was like party boy Dante Draper <laughs> well known well known on the basketball court but even better in the Sydney night class night, uh, night club scene I was like yo <laughs> so Sydney so Sydney mindset is like the states like they yeah. don't really outside of sports. You know what I'm saying? As long as you come in, do your job, don't get in no trouble, you're free to do whatever you want to do. So in Sydney, I was in the streets heavy, like heavy. <laughs> but I was also but I was also like putting in work too. So we had practice every morning at like 10 a.m., like 10.30 in the morning. And at this time, Sydney was lit, bro. Like. It, it was lit. Like every day, you can do something. And at this time, it wasn't. I ain't had. I ain't had no bread. Like that wasn't like buying no tables and no shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Go, I just go in, go to the club, get my drinks. Me and my man that was out there, he uh he the one put me on. And I I, I was just like living a life out there, man. Just like having fun and playing. But and also it was like. It wasn't that expensive, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a little, mm-hmm. no, it's not like that. It was like an extension of college, but now I could get to go in the club. Mm-hmm. So we were winning, and I was getting it in. And, and they knew, everybody knew, but it took me a while. I ain't party, I ain't do nothing. Like yeah. my first month and a half in Sydney, like my first two months, I ain't do nothing. Nothing. And then once I went out the first time, it was a wrap. It was over. <laughs> right. But coach never tripped. They used to make they used to make they used to make make jokes about it and everything. Mm-hmm. I used to come in and practice on time. Everything. Did my job. But they, I used to be out a lot. Not a lot, but like Wednesdays. So we played twice a week. So every every time after the game go to a nice restaurant, and then we'll go out. And then on the weekends, so maybe like three times a week, it wasn't like every night. 
it was like Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Sunday, one of those. Okay. I stand it. <laughs> but, I, but, but again, I was used to it, you know, like in Baltimore, like we, like even in high school, we was going to clubs because it was like no alcohol, like just going out. Over, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like six, it wasn't no, but I was still going out. So yeah. I was already used to plan partying, plan a party, even in like, since I was like 15, we go out the night before, but we always had to work out in the morning. So that was like my routine. So I got used to it. So for me, like if I go out still to this day, if I, if I go out, I'm always going to wake up no later than 11. Yeah. Always going to be like that. Never, never had hangovers in my life, maybe like two. In my life. That's fact. That's facts. That's facts. I've seen it. That's facts. <laughs> we, we, I don't know what y'all got set up, but we could get we, when we're gonna get to the Barely days, you know. We, we get we get the Barely right now if you want, yeah. Yeah, man. Like so, like so, like so, we can talk about that because, like, you, you know, I mean, obviously, you, 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 you came back that you eventually went to Europe, um, did the training camp, um. You know, yeah, we got you got to talk. You got to talk about that. You got to talk about like you. Now, the one question I had though was like, you know, you you've been in training camp with Denver like three times. Like, did you ever oh, feel what? like once? Well, you went to training. I'm talking summer league three times and then training camp with uh, the one time. You know, talk right. about the experience in, in Denver. Talk about just talk about that whole experience. Like, you know, what I mean, I remember you said you went to China. That's the year there with the China, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna get to that after. So when I Finally come to Europe, finally after Australia, the worst shit that can possibly happen happens. I go, my first stop is in Naples, Italy. I yeah. sign with, I sign a deal with Naples. We get to, my first year in Europe. We get to Naples. This is my first time saying anything. Something all Europe look like Naples. So, <laughs> listen, you been in Naples? Y'all been in Naples? I haven't been in Naples yet, no, not yet. That's the I'm biggest. Gangster city ever. Cool. So, I, so I get to Naples, right? And uh, I get there, everything is cool. We're in a hotel. And I talked to uh, my guy, Joe Connolly. He's a president for the Nuggets. He was like, yo, I'm happy that you got the deal. At the end of the message, he was like, be safe. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, so I'm like, yeah, I got you. So we go to practice and shit. Me, G Forbes, Mike Nardi, we go. Hooping, everything good. Giving us mad Reebok gear, everything is good. So the third day, I'm talking to somebody else from back home that hoop. And they tell me the same thing, yo, be careful. I'm like, what? Let me Google. So I Google Naples. I'm like, Google, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, that's like one of the biggest like mafia towns, like in the most dangerous places in the world. I'm like, oh shit. So literally that day, we going to practice, me and G Forbes, because they gave us a car. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want no car. Because they, they drive crazy out there. There's no, they drive crazy. We stopping at the red light. Dude come up on a, uh, like one of those bicycles. We like, it's a red light. He, he goes around the car, gave us the middle finger, and ran the red light. So we're going to practice, and we were talking to the Italians, like, yo, like, what's going on out here? Like, people don't stop at uh, red lights. They use it as, like, the stop sign. The teammate was like, 
Hell no, there's no rules in driving down here. <laughs> we like, we like, yo, what the fuck? So I'm there for like a couple weeks and the players not getting paid, but I ain't really tripping. I'm just I'm just there to hoop. So we get we had a, we got a tournament. We got a tournament and we playing Zalgiris, like a four-team tournament. We get called for breakfast. And they was like, uh huh, we got a meeting. Nigga, we go to the meeting. The, the, the GM said, uh, we got some bad news. You know, they kicked us out of the Italian league. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I'm like, what? But I ain't really tripping because I already, you know what I'm saying? I ain't, I'm like, I'm just like, what? So we go back. So G Forbes, that's my man. G Forbes was tripping because G Forbes was supposed to got drafted. He ended up there. Yeah. So, so his mind is all the way messed up. You know, he like, what? So we go back. I called my agent. My agent was like, yeah, I heard the news. He's like, don't worry. Just stay put. We're going to find you a new team. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, cool. You know what I'm saying? I want to try. I had some bread from, I had some money from, my, from Australia. <laughs> like, cool. I don't know what to do. So G Forbes is stressing the whole time. Like, yo, what the fuck? Boom, boom, boom. Like, he coming over to my house, like, trying to get in touch with his agent. His agent ain't answering. I'm like, G, listen, stop. Con I forgot who his big agent was. I'm like, stop trying to contact your big agent. Yeah. Contact some work for him. I'm like, that guy worrying about, like, Rudy, CP. And I'm like, forget him. Contact somebody that's below him. They finally got it done. And I was sitting there with G. Like, he had three, because G was, Forbes was killing that in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. So, boom. Agent, agent was like, yo, we got a deal for you. Second division in Italy, they was going to give G like 190 to go there for like, like, to practice and play. And I'm hearing this. I'm like, oh, shit. And he like, no, I ain't going, I ain't doing no second division. I ain't doing no second division. So I'm just like, not saying nothing. I still don't have no job or nothing yet. So later that night, Major was like, yo, we got a team in France that you can go, you know what I'm saying? They want you. But it's only like 7000 a month. So I'm like, oh my God. Y'all told me to come. Like, y'all told me to come. First thing I get over here is just how people say it is. Yeah. They don't pay. I'm on a team. They got kicked out without no notice. So I'm like, oh my god. So you off it. Off it already. So then I go to France, south of France, to Toulon in France. Mm -hmm. Like right before the season, like I had like a week of practice for the season. Get to France. First time ever being homesick. Nobody speak English. Mm -hmm. No clubs, no nothing like that. Like it, I was miserable. <laughs> we play, play the French. We play the French league games, and I ain't do so well. Like the first four French games, coach kept taking me in, taking me out. So I'm like off of. Then we had like this Euro Challenge shit. I didn't you know. I don't even know what that was. We had this, and our older players they didn't want to go. They didn't want to do those travels. So it left me playing 40 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. And I went off. I had, in the Euro Challenge, I averaged probably like 
18 and like eight or something like that in like the five games. And then the French League, I was trash. I was like 12, like 12 points. <laughs> like once I looked on Eurobasket and I seen like the, the Euro Challenge shit come on the front page, that was my motivation. I was like, oh, this shit. And then I got bought out. Shit, I, I ain't never heard of that. But I got bought out during that year, like November. And then that's when my life changed. It went from me wanting to go back to Europe. I mean, me wanting to go back to Australia because I couldn't deal with Europe to going from 7000 to 20000 per month. You know what I'm saying? So just like that, I went to Ostende, and everything was back to normal. I was happy. And then fast forward it after that year, I had a really good summer with Denver, and they invited me to camp. So, so answer what question you had for me about Denver. So, like, when you go to Denver – and obviously people know you because, like, you Melo's best friend and everything in relationship there. Do you ever feel like, like, that kind of, like, your relationship with Melo kind of, like, didn't allow you to kind of, like, you know, get the recognition that you should, like, being on Denver and playing on Denver? Uh, I think I think it was kind of like – it was kind of like people in the back of their mind, like, in the front, they thought – you know, they knew it was like a, 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 like a friendship thing. Yeah. But once I got in the camp – yeah. George Carl was like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was playing well. That's when Ty Lawson was a rookie. Yeah. So George Carl was rocking with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was surprised. And like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the players was rocking with me, too. Like, Chauncey Billups, Kenyon Martin, all those guys, they was all rocking with me. I was playing. I was really playing well. You know, mm -hmm. I was making my jumpers. I was working hard. I was, I was playing well. And uh, George Carl, you know, he actually, like, put me in the game. And, like, he, he, he was rocking with me. And uh, I made it to the last, to the final cut, mm -hmm. which was crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I knew I wasn't going – I knew it was a slim chance of me making the team, but I wanted that experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I got, like, the NBA experience, you know, with the training camp. Like, going to China, that was crazy. Mm -hmm. Flying to <laughs> – we flew from Denver to to over there, and these guys was gambling the whole trip. <laughs> and uh, uh, but me, me, me and Ty Lawson, we actually want some we, we want some money shooting dice on the plane. Ty was on fire, and I remember this. So we we shooting dice, Ty cracking everybody, all the older dudes. So I still got that street mindset. I'm telling Ty. Like, we stopped in uh, Alaska. So I'm telling Ty, like, yo, like, stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop, let's get off. Because I knew a lot of these guys got more money. So if you got the most money, they're going to keep playing until they win. Yeah, you're going to play forever. They're going to play forever. So I'm telling Ty, like, yo, like, get off the plane. Let's get off. Like, I already checked out because I was side betting. Yeah. I'm telling Ty, like, yo, come on. But Kenya Martin, like, no, no, <laughs> I'm telling Ty, I'm like, yo, let's get off. And Ty was up. I don't know how much money Ty Lawson had. He was on there rookie, but he was up. He was up a lot. And then they got him, you know what I'm saying? They got to end up, the longer they play, I don't know if he still won, but they end up, like, bringing it back down. But he probably was up maybe 20, 30,000. Yo, he was on fire. Like, he was hitting numbers. And he was side – and Ty was side betting everybody himself. So it was like Ty was 
And also, you had, like, other guys that was betting on He was betting everybody. A young mm. nigga betting everybody winning. <laughs> That was that was that was that was an experience too with them going to China and all that. That was crazy. I still remember the uh, the the story you told me about the China markets, the Louis Vuitton joint. Yo, with the yo, <laughs> yo. <laughs> listen, yo, we we go we go there right. So when we get when we get to China, all those guys have their own platforms. So like, I wasn't even with Melo most of the time because he had so much shit to do, you know, with Jordan and all the promotion. So when we got there, when we got to uh, Beijing or Shanghai, I think it was Beijing, like Melo had to, he was busy all day with like different shit. So I was basically like alone and then came up, I was like, yo, I got the driver, you know, come with me. So I went, I went with Kmart to the, uh, to the, uh, the wall, the great wall. And then we went shopping around and we went to the, uh, those markets. It's the craziest shit ever. But I, I seen, I experienced it when I was in Sydney. When I was in mm-hmm. Sydney, one of those markets. But I didn't experience this right here. So we go in there, and Kmart got another guy, like a, a, a I don't know who this guy is, like a serious ass dude. So he come, he show us. So we go through the same market. And he was like, just keep walking. Like, all these people grabbing you, like, yo, come by this, come by that. Man, we go down. Like, he take us down, like, the basement area. Nigga, he take us down in the basement area. It's like a kitchen. So it's like maybe 50 benches, like at a restaurant. And then you got each age, like, each guy bringing out books. They bringing out books. So you sit down at the table, what you want? what you need, what you want. So they bringing out the books of like any luggage, any like backpack, any everything. So the guy was like, yeah, like this is like the original fake shit. He was like, you buy here. It was like, so like for like a Louis Vuitton bag, for like 1200, you pay like 350 or 250. It'd be something that they, they take from like the manufacturer where they fuck up like the strings or Something wrong with it. Something wrong with it, but they sell it in there. Yo, it was crazy. Like, they, they give you the book, and they say, yo, what you want? They go in the back, and they bring it out. It was the crazy to everything. Like, golf clubs, like, everything. Like, <laughs> like Chauncey Billups, yo, Chauncey Billups brought, yo, the shit was so crazy. The Nuggets team playing, people had so much shit. Like, Chauncey brought, like, three golf, a whole thing of golf clubs, like Mercedes, like Mercedes-Benz golf clubs. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. All right, so we definitely got to get into the Verily days, man. Verily, so I got cut. So when we get back, I got cut. I got cut in, like, right at, like, around October. So I had two options. I had um, Aris and Greece. Mm-hmm. They was putting hard. And I think that year they was like Euro Cup yearly. But again, my agent was like, they have some problems with the money, but you're going to get paid. But it's a higher level. So I'm like, oh, man. Then the next day he was like, yo, I got this team in uh, Italy second division and then again i'm like fuck i ain't going to no second division honestly <laughs> but that, that that was like the mentality like, yeah. I ain't going to second division. so i'm like boom 
Then they send the offer, and the, and, the, and the money made me think twice, like, how is this possible? You know what I'm saying? Like, you think about <laughs> they offer more, <laughs> they offer more money than my heiress offer. So he was like, yo, think twice about it. Next day came around, we ain't getting no offers, and I was like, man, work, like, y'all got to do your job. Like, I ain't, I don't want to go to the second division. I'm, Cause I'm thinking like, if someone gonna offer me this money, find me another job that pay this money. Uh, Day later, uh, Verily went fucking around. They called like, yo, like, is he gonna take the deal or not? Or oh, it's coming off the table. We got like two other players that we, we looking at. So then I was like, fuck it. Kyle on the team. I'm out there. I'm like, I think I called. Did I call you? Get you called me. You called me, and I kind of, I low key kind of lied to you too, because you was like, "Well, how's the city?" I was like, "Yeah, it's all right." <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Yeah, it's straight." I was like, "Yeah, it's straight." Now we, I was like, "It ain't too bad." <laughs> yeah. So, so I remember getting in touch, and I always get in touch with somebody. You know, like my son, so I got in touch with him. He was like, "Yeah, it's straight." You know what I'm saying? Everything cool. So I'm like. Cool, I take it. You know what I'm saying? It was great money, you know, for second division. Like, it was great money. I flew out there, and uh, I was like, wow. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that first day you see me. <laughs> but I wasn't really, like, now when I look back on I wasn't tripping about, like, the small shit. I wasn't, like, we had to wash our own shit. Yeah. Jersey. The gym was terrible. Terrible. I never, we never complained about that type of shit. We didn't shit. even think like, about it though. Like, honestly, like, I, I never complained about, like, the gym, the practice jersey. I never complained about none of that. You know what I'm saying? I just was, like, ready to hoop. And then uh, I get the Verily, practice and everything, everything cool. Conch, the coach was cool. And we just, we just was vibing, man. And, uh, one thing I didn't like was, uh, like I said, I'm big on energy and vibe. I didn't like the vibe from Azik. Yeah. Yo, he gave me the like the most like uh. jealous, envy, like like craziest vibe that I couldn't even like. I'll be on the court, like I'll be on the court, and I ain't know the plays that well. And he'll just like take not take the ball, but like. Call his own shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go to the corner and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm where I used to. I used to be. That's the point guard from Israel, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I just I, I didn't vibe with him at all. I just didn't like. I think he. I think he. I don't know what was going mentally, but I think he wanted to like be the man. I wasn't really yeah. trying to be the man. I just wanted to win and do my job. You know what I'm Yo. saying? We we had we had so many funny stories. Like you said, like the, the like straight day and drive. So I used to have to pick him up every day in practice. <laughs> oh I used to I, I used to I used to I used to take his car and I used to take my car. So I used to fairly small anyway. So I used to take his car, pick him up. I mean, we're either going on that small ass uh that yo, small ass street in your car. Yo, now now when I look back, I show people. So look, I show people and I tell people. Like, yeah, I played in Italy, and I say the name of the town. People from Italy don't even know the town. Yeah. <laughs> I have to I literally have to where is that? Like, it was one way in. One way out. One way out. Gas station, right on the side. One gas station. Yeah. Oh, it was 
Yeah, we, yo, we, we made, like, we literally made the best of it, bro. Cause like, that's when, uh, thinking about it, like, shit was crazy. Now, now looking back on it, like, now that, like, where, like, we came from, like, some of the things we, like, we was there, we was like, like, we, like, but we didn't complain. Like, we literally made the yeah, best of it. Like, every, like, we made the best out of it, bro. The only thing I complained about was them telling us we couldn't go to Rome when we won the But we still went. <laughs> you talk about, bro, you talk about you talk about going out, bro. We went out Wednesday, Thursday. No, uh, no. At first, no, at first, look. First I'm kinda, you, you I'm pushed like, me. You pushed me to you pushed me to go out. I'm, I'm, I'm kinda like <laughs> man, man, So we was always going, we was always going on Thursdays. Yeah. It was always going up down Thursdays and we come back. But I just hated, like I hated to party. Like I hated to party and then drive all the way back. I hated that. Even like for safety reasons, party reasons, if you meet somebody, got I just hated that. So we got we got into an accident on, on the one time on the on the way back. Yeah, I totaled your car. I smashed your car, bro. Bro, bro, bro. We drop, we driving back one night. Not to cut you off. We driving back one night from Rome, going out. It's like four or five o'clock in the morning, or whatever. We drive, and I hit the curve, and the car bumped me. But this shit was kind of like now you think about it, it was scary because like we could have really like 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 dead. we could have been dead, bro. So we we Man. fall off the road, and then Drake's car is like in the ditch like this. And so we get out the car and like the airbag explodes, everything. And we just sitting like, yo, what do we do? That's crazy. Yo, luckily I had I had the girl with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She spoke, she spoke, yeah, she spoke like Spanish or something. She spoke Spanish and the dude was like Argentinian, so she was able to like to like translate because we'd have been stuck. Yo, that I ain't gonna never forget that, bro. And then I had thick and she over exaggerating. Oh my god, my Car was done. Done. Total, bro. Total. Car total. was done. So we total, get the we, we get the practice and we're in the meeting. You know, Kyle, he he always gonna be nice. You know what I'm saying? Like no matter what. So we in a, we get in a meeting with the, the people and they was like and they was like basically like blaming us. You don't suppose and we like what? Like we had morning off. We, yeah. Who said do this and do that? Nobody was drinking and driving. We wasn't drunk. Nobody was drunk at this time. Uh-huh. Probably you should be worried about our safety. And they was like, we're going to do this. And I'm like, no, hell no. You know what I'm saying? Like that, because it was my car. I'm like, we ain't do nothing wrong. Like they wanted to like find us. I think they did find us. I, 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 just remember, I remember I was ready to leave. I called my agent. I was like, I'm going. I was like, yeah, I'm like I was like, enough's enough. Yeah. I was like. <laughs> you was, was over it. Yeah, you know I was over it, bro. They was tripping. And it wasn't even like, we got hit. Car got totaled. Fairly. We had some. Crazy. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we done, you got to tell us funny stories about Ron, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> So Ryan, so Ron, Ron became my guy. Everything, Ron became my Ron came. Y'all niggas are inseparable, bro. You know, you know, Kyle, Kyle is more. He chill all the way. Like once I have a few drink, drinks, I open up a little bit. Kyle just gonna be chill the whole time. So when Ron came out there, 
Gronk can talk. And that's not <laughs> my forte unless I like, get a hint. So Rum initiated at everything. So once Rum got his eyes on something, I'm following right up. <laughs> so Ron get out there, Ron, he, he gets out there like two weeks. He know everybody. He know everybody. Oh, the whole town, bro. They set up a business to do everything, bro. So Ron got into this hustle mode. He realized like these people in the club, they went this and that. So Ron started his own sneaker company. I'm like, Ron. <laughs> where you get these fake ass sneakers from? Like, yeah, what do you? You can buy them online. You can do this. And I'm like, oh my god, that, that man supposed to came out there for like two weeks. He ended up staying for like three, four months. <laughs> you better, you better. Uh, he was DJing at the games. Like, nigga, he was doing. Everything. It was every. They all love Ron. That was my god. Because I used to go. I used to go. So after, after. A few months once I got comfortable, then I really start to like do my thing. Oh. I, so I go to Rome two or three times a week. By so yourself, I, bro. At one point, <laughs> at one point, Kyle came up there. He went up there with me a few times. So I used yeah. to go. So it, was, it was another party in Rome that was like on a Friday or Sunday. One of those days, it was another good party. So I used to go. I used to take the train. I used to yeah. have drop me off at the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to take the train up there, and then as soon as, as soon as it let out, it was a train at like seven in the morning. So we used to have. So we had weights. <laughs> we used to have weights at like ten. So I used to take the train, come back, get ready for practice. I used to sleep on the train. Go to, I don't lift weights. So when I get in the weight room, I just. Bro, I remember, I remember like, I'll tell people all the time because, like, every, like I said, everybody got a story about like you popping up on by yourself. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, we be at practice. I go back to the crib and I hit Drape up, like, you know, because we practice like 30 minutes away. So when I get back to the crib, I hit Drape up, like, yo, where you at? I'm already at Rome at the spot. And it'd be like, it got to the point where you was just like, he was gone. He was like, yo, I'm not here, bro. I'm gone. Once, once, once I figured it out, yeah. once I figured how to move, like, I don't need nobody. I don't, I'll be out. I'll yeah. find a girl that I know, or one dude I know, and I'm there. Yeah, I, I, and and, and that, that, was, that was like therapy for me. Like, if yeah. I didn't have that, I wouldn't be the person I would. Like, if I didn't yeah. go out, I couldn't play, you know, the way I played. And that goes, once we talked about my best year in Europe and Croatia, that's how yeah. I became that. You know what I'm saying? I had to I had to go to Rome. You know what I'm saying? I had to be around. I had to walk the city. I had to see all this historical stuff. Like, if I just had to sit in Verily, I'd go crazy. I would have been cut, for sure. Nah, you, you, you jumped right into it. So talk, talk to about, you know, your, your situation with Chetavita. And you know, talk about like those, like you said, those are yeah, those are basically what put you on, and you know what you most known for. You know that 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 2000, I think 11 season, you won Euro Cup MVP, and then the yeah. next season, like you, you know, what I mean, so talk about those two years in Croatia, and then talk about uh, you got to talk about the Zelgrab. I mean, the, the 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 
your your legendary nightlife, you know, moments there too. Like, you know, like I said, people, you you still famous, you know, for you know for you know for being out there. Sure. So that all happened like when I went to Croatia again. I was playing summer league, and now me and me and my agent Rade, the one who like gave me the, we we closed. He seen me work, so he we close. So now the Nuggets. So I had a I had two summer league offers that year, and again I I just go back to the Nuggets because again I don't really care too much about making a team. I just want to play and get the best yeah. opportunity. I know Denver is going. They're gonna be honest. They ain't gonna tell you like you got a chance to make it. They're gonna let you rock out. So I went to Denver and I played well. And I remember at the the last game, my agent came like, "Yo, it's a team from Croatia that you want to go to." And again, I'm like, Croatia, like what? <laughs> time I just knew only of uh, Sibona because Sibona played early. He was like, "No, it's another team, new team coming up." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" So. The next, the next day, the coach, Drazen Petrovic's brother, was like, yo, I love your game, and I'm going to put the ball in your hand. I'm gonna, I love your game, put the ball in your hand, we're going to run a spread offense, and you just do your thing. I was like, okay, sound good. Then they sent me the offer. And, that, and this was the biggest I had at that moment. You know what I'm saying? It was like 250, like 255, something like that. So I'm like, oh, shit, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, as soon as he said that, I'm like, okay. And they gave me an NBA, like, out. Like, if an NBA team doesn't sign me to training camp with money by, like, August, one of those dates, then my contract was uh, is, 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 is good. Because that, at that summer, I had Chicago Bulls, Sacramento Kings, they was, like, really interested. Washington mm-hmm. Wizards, they were really interested. So, at the Vegas, I went to Tim Gregorich camp. So you know Tim Gregorich camp. So yeah. I went to I went to I went to Greg's camp, and the first day, bro, first day of Greg's camp, I twist my ankle crazy, like high ankle sprain, like done, couldn't play no more. But luckily, I signed a contract in Vegas at summer league, so I was good. So I go back to Baltimore, and we had one of those hood, hood tournaments. Mm-hmm. I was already healed, supposed to go back. Oh, I was supposed to go to Croatia in like a week. So I go to Baltimore, one of the biggest hood games ever. Everybody like, yo, play, play, play. I go out there and play. Last minute in the game, take a three in the corner, and I like stepped on somebody's feet on the sideline. Roll my ankle again. So now it's like second time. It's like purple, black. So I'm like icing, like literally icing every day because I got I got to go overseas in like five days. Mm-hmm. So I'm icing every day. Shit, still messed up. So I, I meet the team in in Zagreb. I meet the coach and everybody in Zagreb. We do like tests and everything, and then they seem. I told them that I like sprained my ankle working out like with nobody. And they seen they was like, oh man, it's, it's pretty bad. So they're doing the x-rays and like, yo, we got to tell the coach. So they was like, you should be good. So I get to training camp, coach seen it and I, and I still can't really run. So I'm like scared, like, oh shit, they gonna cut my dumb ass, you know what I'm saying? I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But coach came was like, cool. Like, just like this. 
sit out for five days. Yeah. Like, you know, sit out for five days, you get treatment and see how you go. So, and, and, that, and at that time, they was doing, like, three a days. Like, they was waking up. We was in a training camp in a place called Rogla in the mountains. So, they wake up in the morning, run, weights, and then basketball at night. So, I was skipping all that shit. And I could see, like, when we come for break in the morning. And I don't really know my teammates yet. I could just see, yeah. like, you practicing today? You practicing today? So, I'm like, oh, I'm hurt. You know, but I was really hurt. Yeah. After like six days, I finally practiced, and I was like practicing on like, like literally like sixty percent, like limping and shit. And then coach like, okay, set me down for another three days. And then I came back and played the scrimmage, and then he was like, "What are we gonna do to get you back right?" So I just need rest. Training camp in, we go back and play a tournament, and I'm like. At this time, I'm like 75%. And I played well in the preseason game because I was hitting all my threes. I, I couldn't really drive, but I, I hit all my threes. And then coach was like, yo, like, this is your team. Like, it, 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 it go off you. I built this team around you. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, if you're not healthy, then just tell me, and I give you some time, some more time off. But at this time, I'm like, Thinking about my teammates of like how they looking at me because I ain't practicing, I ain't doing this, and I ain't doing that. So I'm like, fuck, I had a tough decision. So I just was like, I did with my went with my teammates, like, I'm gonna just practice. So I practiced and I was making everything. Cause that summer before was I had a great summer. Mm -hmm. And the last preseason tournament, coach only played me like 10 minutes. And then we had like seven days to uh to our first real game. So in those three days when we got back to Zagreb, I had to get treatment early in the morning and then I had to practice. Nigga, so by the time the first game come, I was fresh. You know what I'm saying? I was at this time I'm like 85%, so I'm fresh. And then coach just was like, do your thing. Go. Now, bro, like he just he just let me do my thing. He was like, yo, just it's a spread offense. Do your thing. And that's basically what happened. And throughout the season, I was having fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was I was having fun. Like Zagreb was a great city, a lot of things to do, a lot of beautiful women. So I was I was I was having fun off the court, man. And that, that led on to my performance on the court. Mm. Like that whole season, I never looked at like no MVP rankings. I never looked at no yearly game. I never looked at none of that shit. I ain't pay attention to none of that. I was just happy in Zagreb with Sadovita. You know, I didn't even know that I was going to get MVP. I didn't even know that I was on a, uh, I didn't even know how to even judge who, who get the MVP. Mm. Like my teammates told me, like I ain't know nothing about like the play efficiency or none of that. I was open, and every game, like my play efficiency was like twenty, mm -hmm. and I ain't even how it worked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was, I, I just know I was happy. Like I was, I, every every day I went to practice, I was happy. Like I ain't, I wasn't, I ain't wake up like, oh fuck, we ain't really had crazy practices. We practiced for only like an hour and 15. 
You know what I'm saying? So I always stayed after practice for like 35, 30, 40, 40 minutes. You know what I'm saying? And used to get shots up and work on my individual game. But I was just happy in Croatia, man. And that's, that led to my performance. I wasn't worried about like my numbers. I wasn't worrying about, cause I ain't know nothing about guys was getting paid all that money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I ain't know guys was getting paid all that money in Europe. So that wasn't really in my mind. Like I ain't want to go to like Real Madrid and all, cause I ain't really know too much about none of that stuff. I was just stuck in my own, own bubble in Croatia. So that helped too. Like I ain't had no pressure in the back of my head, like to, to do this. Like I ain't had to like show off for my mother or my fan cause they ain't never really watched me play basketball anyway. They just knew I was doing something positive. So I ain't really have pressure of like proving to someone what I was doing. So you go, you have a good year, you know, you say you had your best year, but now, um, you know, you get a taste of the Euro League, you sign to, uh, you know, Madrid. So talk about that. Yeah, so that whole process was crazy. And another thing, I was in my own bubble. Like when I got the MVP in 2000, 2011, I signed an extension mm. in the Euro Cup Final Four because I don't even know about like- You wasn't even thinking about it. I don't even know how much guys, how much money they make, how much they can make. You know what I'm saying? I don't really know. I just knew I love Sadovita. I love Croatia, and I was just living a good life. They they gave me they gave me an offer like a two year, two year one million, and for me that was like, which is still a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like this is amazing. And then they was like, yo, they they brought up the uh, national team stuff with the passport. At first I said, nah, I like my summers too much, you know. So yeah. I was like, no, I can't do that. But then they was like, yo, like, with this passport, Barcelona and Real Madrid going to offer your contract like that. So they explained that whole process to me, but I still was like, ah, I love my summers too much. And then it happened, and I signed an extension, got the passport. So I, I ain't really know too much about, like, the EuroLeague and how much money. So I signed the extension, and then after the uh, – Euro, after that season in 2010, 2011, they fired my coach. I was tight. You know what I'm saying? They fired my coach because we were supposed to go to EuroLeague the next year, but like three players got hurt, like Corsi Edwards. Mm-hmm. Remember Bracey, right? Yeah. So me, Bracey got hurt, and another key player got hurt. So in Croatia, they go off like the point system. Like you got to have a certain amount of points in the year to be EuroLeague. So at the end of the year, we lost in the championship to uh, KK Zagreb. You know, mm-hmm. they had Chris him on. They had a good team, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We lost. And they got the EuroLeague the next year, and we stayed down in EuroCup. So they didn't bring back my coach. So the 2011-12 season, they brought a whole nother coach in. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, that, that was one of my worst years of basketball because he came in super strict, trying to change everything. So that, that year I was stressing because as soon as I signed my extension, all these – then I started hearing all these other offers from all these other teams, and I got mad at yeah. my agent. Like, yo, why the fuck 
tell me <laughs> one million, two million out. Because <laughs> I didn't know all that. You know, I didn't know guys was making that much money. So he was like, no, this is a this is a process. You know, you get the pet, all this crazy. So I was kind of tight on them because I could have left right after that season and start making yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's in 2011-12, the coach came. And he changed everything. And I, I wasn't even the same player as I was the year before. One, it's because my summer was taken. I didn't get a chance to work out and do my normal routine. I had to go to the national team with Croatia. And we was practicing crazy. So I didn't have no break. I went straight from the season, two weeks off, three week, two and a half weeks off, go back to training camp, play with the national team, and then right into season. So that 2011 year wasn't no, it, I was a totally different player. Like my, my, I was always like, my knees was hurting. Mm. I didn't get a chance to work on my game. Coach was crazy. So I was kind of like nervous, you know, like is those teams still going to be around that was there the previous season. So luckily enough, midway through the season, teams start calling again. I had a $350,000 buyout. And Real Madrid was the one that was always consistent. They was consistent, like, they was like, on it, on it, on it. And then I had, I, they ain't never say the Russian team, but I had a Russian team too that was offering crazy. Mm -hmm. And then there was Ephes. So when I when I go to the, uh, at the, at the I'm, I'm gonna go back. So after I got the MVP, I was with the national team going back to all these offers, when these offers was coming in, I was arguing with my agency, like, yo, like, why you didn't tell me all this shit was yeah. happening? Yeah. And they wanted me to go to my team and ask them to get me out of my contract. And I'm like, no, nah, like, I signed it. It's too late. Too late. And then Anadolu Ephes, they was, Ephes, they offered a big man, they offered 375,000, they offered like a package. And my president said, no. You know, because he was building a program. Yeah. And I was the program because they already had money. You know what I'm saying? And then to the 11 and 12 season, I just didn't play as well. You know, I probably averaged like 13 points. You know, it, we, we played better as a team. You know, I had my few good games here and there. Like against Maccabi, I had like 28. I had a few good games, but it wasn't the same. So mm -hmm. I was kind of worried, like, yo, is these teams going to come back? especially the money that they were saying before, I was worried. And then um, Real Madrid just stayed on it, man. They stayed on it. And then they contacted me during the season, like at the end, and it was like, yo, like, this is the deal. Like, this is, this is the contract. So I had to make a decision because the Chicago Bulls was watching me as well. So the Bulls, mm -hmm. was, Bulls was like, yo, after the season, we want to bring you in for the summer. They was going to pay for the summer, this and that. And it was like, fuck, do I want to, like, go for my – go for, like, the NBA to be home, like like a dream, you know what I'm saying? Like, do, do I want to do that? Or do I want to stay here and get money? And be in Madrid. And it was a lockout. Like, the uh, year 2011. So, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to just go to Madrid. You know what I'm saying? And it, it was it was good money. I'm like, 
it was hard, man, because Madrid put the pressure on me. Because I signed, like, in February, March. You know what I'm saying? I, I signed before the season end. I wanted to wait till the season end to the then wait out. You know what I'm saying? Because Chicago was really, like, trying. They was pushing. But I couldn't turn down that money, man. I couldn't turn down, like, the money that was right in front of me. And then uh, that happened after that. And then I go to Madrid. So when I <laughs> – crazy thing. So when I signed for Madrid that summer, Madrid, they got me – they were like, yo, we want you to come earlier. You know what I'm saying? Like, we want you here in Madrid early. We want you working out and shit. So I had to go to Madrid, like, a week and a half before the whole – for the team. Get there. So I get to Madrid, and I'm working out with the trainer. You know, like, we doing, like, some – me and Nico Meritage, you know, we doing like some band work and everything. And I was just like, damn, you know what I'm saying? How they treat you, you know, you know what, yeah. what I'm saying? They, like, it, it, like, whoa, like what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It was a whole, it was like the NBA, like a whole nother ball game. And then when training camp started, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble because Sergio Rodriguez that came back, he wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to, he wasn't, they, they didn't expect him to come back. So when I get to training camp, it's three point guards, two national team superstars, and then it was me. So already I'm like, fuck, what I'm going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going to happen? And, and I always say, like, Pablo, I love Pablo. And Pablo honestly gave all of us our fair chance to be the lead guard, to be honest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it was just... Sergio already had his spot, you know, uh, Sergio Yule. Yeah. But he, at the time, he was more of a two than one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sergio Rodriguez didn't play good on in his way back to the NBA, on his way back to Europe from the NBA. Yeah. So he had two bad years. But then he picked it up in the uh, Barcelona finals, they said. So it's all three of us. And our first tournament in uh, – in Malaga, so at the end of the at the end of the day, all of all two of us was gonna to have to be on the court at the same time, regardless. So, but Sergio Chacho Rodriguez, he was so like ball dominant, and he knew how to make plays. So as soon as the ball come out the room, Chacho like this. Why oh. <laughs> <laughs> even go back to get the ball? Yeah. As soon as that ball off the rim. Chacho coming to get it. <laughs> and he making plays. So I'm kind of like, oh, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, damn. And I knew that. And and, and Chacho played really well. Like he was he was killing. So I couldn't take nothing. I couldn't take I couldn't take nothing from him. So going into the season, I knew something was something was different. And I remember we going to the King's Cup. We're going into the Kings, I mean, not the Kings Cup, the uh, Super Cup. I'm hyped. Like, the first real tournament against Zaragoza, first game, I play, like, seven minutes. So I'm, like, I'm on a bench, like, hot. You know what I'm saying? I'm, like, hot. And then Mark, me and Marcus came in together. So Marcus playing. You know what I'm saying? Mark is playing, running, dunking. So I'm on a bench hot. Because I came in as like a, a good signing, you know what I'm saying? Like, supposed to play. 
Next we beat next game we play Barcelona in the finals. I don't touch the court. Like I don't get in the game. So we went in and everything, everybody celebrating. Like you could go back and look on the pictures, you can see my face is like. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy that we won, but I still can't. Yeah. Like I'm just coming off like MVP season, having the ball, like, you know what I'm saying? And then we get in the locker room and I'm and I'm still like everybody celebrating. And I'm just like, what the fuck did I get myself into? So we walk, get changed. I'm the first one to get dressed, changed, and I'm out of there. Like Pablo came and like grabbed me on my shoulder. Took me in the room. He was like, you know, I know, I know it's tough times right now. He was like, but the way the game is going, I just went with my guys to win. He was like, you should be upset. He was like, now you're on a winning ball club. You know what I'm saying? Like now you're on a winning ball club. So I understood what you were saying. But at the end of the day, I'm like, man, fuck that. So I get on the bus. <laughs> so I get on the bus. I call my agent. Like, yo, like nigga, I ain't getting the game. Mm-hmm. I ain't getting the game. He was like, no, we're going to talk about it. Boom, boom, boom. So we get back to Madrid. We get lit. We get we go out and party. So I had fun outside of that, celebrating. But then in the court, I was still, like, mentally, like, messed up. And then as the season went on, we start – EuroLeague. So we still like playing spot, spot minutes. So me, Sergio, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, me, Sergio, you, the two Sergios, we all playing like spot minutes depending on the game. All players are mad. You get mad. You was mad. Chacho get mad. And I was mad because we all wanted to play. Wow. So you'll play. You'll start. Chacho will come in like five minutes in. Sergio will be mad. Like, what the fuck? Like, it was crazy. All three of us was crazy because we couldn't play all the minutes. So EuroLeague start, and we playing Panther Nikers at home. And I'm sitting on the bench like, it's lit in the gym. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Madrid fans, they ain't crazy the whole game. They like, yeah. watch the game, they go into the game. But when it's like a something going on, like a Barcelona or a big EuroLeague game, they go nuts. So we play Panther Nikers, and they like, Big, like, deep on us, like, bullying us, like. And I'm sitting on the bench, like, come on, man. First quarter go by, don't get in. Second quarter, don't don't get in. Then the third quarter, like, two minutes in, we getting punished. I'm like, come I'm sitting on the bench, like, hot now. The coach was like, D, call me. Like, I've never been so more excited to play basketball in my life. <laughs> so, I run, so I run to the table, so I'm like, I'm ready to play. So when I got in the game, my natural instincts was to be the player who I was before I learned how to score and do all this. My ego was already gone because I, I didn't play that much. So when I got in that game, I had five steals, like in like seven minute stretch, five steals, one block. And we we was down by eight when I came in. I think we end up was up 10 maybe it was it's on youtube it's a crazy it was a crazy stretch and ever since then that's when i started playing only the third quarter third third quarter that's it and it started from yeah. that game. and 
and that year was so hard for me, but also I was also having fun off the court, not just partying, but I was also going to restaurants in Madrid. They treat you crazy. So I was living a life. I was living a great lifestyle, but on the basketball side, it was, I was kind of like half and half because I wanted to play more and I wanted to do more, but I couldn't. So I just had, I used to have to take that on the chin and do what was best for the team. So the lifestyle was amazing, but basketball wise, it was, it was. I remember, I remember we had that conversation, like when you end up, um, when you end up leaving, because you were like talking about it, you were saying like, you know, and now the question I have for you, like we all, everybody already knows, you know, that the, the situation, like you said, you went to Ephesus, you went to Loco, but you, you looking back on that, like, do you wish you would have stayed and, and, and wrote it out? Because you eventually signed back. I mean, put, well, you know, put the money you know, put the money aside. But, like, what do you think? You went back in 2016. Do you think that um, that you, know, you would have you know, stayed? You know, I still think about this to this day. I think if I had to go back on it, you know, they say you never regret nothing. If yeah. I look back on it, I would have stayed. Mm-hmm. I would have stayed, but by me going to uh, by me going to Istanbul, I also met a lot of different people. Yeah, like throughout the way, off the court, that yeah. helped me to how I travel to this day. Like when I go to Monaco, I get invited to go to Monaco to do all that yacht shit. It's through the people that I met in Turkey. in Turkey, but also they was big Real Madrid supporters. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, but. If I had to do it again, I would stay in Madrid, man. And and the only reason that was the, the hardest decision because when I signed in Madrid, it was on a really like like really great contract. I mean, it was, it's what I deserved at that moment, you know, where I was. And then I knew they weren't gonna pick up my third year because it was it was a lot for a player that only played ten minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But they wanted me to stay, so. We knew that they weren't going to pick it up. So they offered a, a new three-year contract. And what I know to this day is it's still a fucking great contract. But at that time, like, I was going off for, like, Marcus. So I was there with Marcus Slaughter and Tremel Darden. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, like, when I'm in Madrid, I'm thinking, how I'm going to say this. I'm thinking everybody making around the same type of money. Same you know? It's not really, you don't know how much somebody make. So I'm thinking all of us is there making around the money. So I remember when they was giving out extensions and we in the weight room and Marcus was like, yo, I just, they just gave me my extension. And he was like super happy. Like they raised my price. They raised my number. And Tremel was like, they ain't give him his, but they already, Gave me mine, but my shit wasn't no goddamn a raise. It was a uh, it was a decrease in money. But I didn't know how much Marcus Slaughter was making. So I'm mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, damn, they're gonna take care of him and they're gonna load my But my shit was bi- a big difference than Marcus, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't know that. So it was a hard, it was the hardest decision ever, man. And they gave me extra time. I had to make a decision. I talked to my mother, I talked to Melo, everybody, because the lifestyle in Madrid, you can't, it's, no, it's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to play. So they gave me the three, they gave me the three year extension 
and I told them, you know, like, can you give me like a week to make a decision? Like, I don't know. And they was like, yeah, they understood how I felt. They, just, they didn't want me to leave because they knew I was important. So I sat back and I thought about it. And then um, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and go to Ephesus for more money, for a little bit more money and play more. But I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But if I would have known, like, around how much Marcus or Tramel was making, I would have stayed 100%. Mm-hmm. I would say for sure 100. I would have I would, I sent it right there. And it, it was, and it was nice money, like a lot of money. But at that time, I thought I could, be, I could get the money that I signed for when I was a free agent, and I can play more. Yeah. So it was a really tough decision. And uh, it was tough, man. I can imagine. No, I guess that we had that. We had that conversation, and I remember you like you talked to me about it. I remember you was kind of going back and forth, but because, I mean, hey, man, everything. I, I mean, everything happened for a reason, though. So for a reason, for and sure. Ended up working out. Ended up working out for you, like you said. You got connects, you know, all different type of places, and you know, what I mean, end up working out at the end of the day. Right. So Madrid is a like I can explain to you, but like until you there and see yeah. how how that shit is, it's crazy, bro. Yeah. Like you got your own plane. Like crazy plane, not just a normal. You got your own private plane. Like, go to the soccer matches. You got your own suite, you know. And then when I came back in sixteen, if you can see what they got now, it's unbelievable. Bro, like, we now, we pr- we practice there this year. They practice facility. Real? Yeah, we practice there this year. They practice facility is like like I've never seen nothing. It's like a it's whole better. complex. Like it's, anything, it, it's way better than NBA. You can get anything, everything you want. Children. And then we had we had our own we have our own hotel suite in there in that one building where we eat lunch. That's where we conversate with like the soccer players. Everything is shared. So it's like man, that lifestyle. You either got to take the lifestyle and deal with your basketball shit or you go play. And then my whole thing was like Madrid, it wasn't like a grind. Like I speak to a lot of overseas, like Kyle and all my guys, they were like, yo, this is a grind. Madrid, hell, it wasn't a grind. It was like you happy, you wake up happy, you 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 live a regular life. You practice once a day, like you actually live a, a regular life. And then when I got to Turkey, man, whew. That changed that 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 now that made me hate basketball. Yeah. I what hated basketball. That? Why was that? It's because like I go from all this stuff and the F is a great club. They pay on time. You got we got our own practice facility. It was just yo, we was practicing so much, I nigga. Like every day, twice a day. No less than two and a half hours. Our film session, like it was crazy. Like, yo, we ain't have a day off. Like, we went like three months straight without like a day off. Mm-hmm. And me and the coach, and, and the craziest thing about it, me and the coach was like this. That was my guy. That was my guy. He he he, he, he had his ways. And then there was the assistant coach Von Gallis. It was just it was too hard on me, man. I ain't I. Ain't, that was the year that I ain't, I ain't go out. I ain't really had that much fun. Like it was tough, you know what I'm saying. And I just, I ain't get a chance to really enjoy Istanbul like I wanted to. 
it happened at the end because we got Thomas Hertel, and that had that 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 was like thank God because mm-hmm. he got back, and I got the rest like at the end of the season in the Turkish league because you only could play like a certain amount of foreigners. So I was only playing once a week, and that and that was the best. And that's that's when I got to it. I'll talk talk about um kind of fast forward a little bit. You know, you said you went you went back to. You had this situation with Loco. You you went to back to Madrid, and then I didn't even know you. You played at uh, in Sevilla until like I, I found out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like a it was like a low key stand. I was like, bro, you back now? But talk about like your decision to 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 retire and your decision like to kind of wrap it. Like, when did you kind of know that like like that is it? Like, you know, all of us kind of go through it, and I'm kind of going through it. You know, reaching that that point right now. So when did you kind of know like you was that like, I- I'm done? So when I was in Istanbul, that kind of was like, I was like, I don't know how much longer I got left because my body, you know, again, I don't lift weights and nothing like that. Yeah. So I knew that my body started to break down. I started to get calf cramps and everything. But then when I got to uh, Russia, I knew Malcolm was going to be there. So I knew he was going to have a big year. Like I already knew this. So I'm like, yeah. if I go there and play behind him, I can extend, I can maybe get another good contract or something like that. But I knew I only had a couple more years left. So, and I turned down Panathinaikos before I went to Loco because I knew in Panathinaikos I wasn't that player anymore with all the fans and everything because there's a pressure that comes with that. You know, I knew I wasn't that player that they probably wanted. I have some good games, like in, in, in Ephesus, but I was still had that Real Madrid point guard mentality. I wasn't like the Draper in 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. So I had to find the right place that I can be a mixture of both. So when I went to Loco, I had a vision like, yo, I think we can do something special. We went to the Final Four, and I was like, when you, I always say when you win, Certain shit opens up, and then Real Madrid came back, and I had another. I had another offer from I forgot who it was. I think it was Milan. I, I went back to Madrid, mm-hmm. and when I got to Madrid after like the second week, I was like, "Fuck, this might be my last year," because I just I didn't have the feeling no more. I didn't like I didn't even care if I didn't play. Because mm-hmm. like, in Madrid, somebody had to sit every game. Yeah. So Pablo will come to you, and I used to be like, some games I used to be like, don't call me, don't call me, don't call me. You know what I'm saying? I just yeah. didn't, I didn't really care no more. So I knew that it was it. You know what I'm saying? I stopped working on my game. I just knew that it was it. So after the Madrid year, after that year, I was like, okay, I'm not going back to Europe unless. I get like a cool coach or a EuroLeague team that's going to let me be like a backup player. You know what I'm saying? That type yeah. of player. And if not that, then I ain't going back to Europe till after Thanksgiving. You know, that, that I already had it in my plan because I still I wanted to do a lot of stuff. And I wanted to see how I feel to be retired. You know what I'm saying? So once that start happening, like once the season was over, I was I was everywhere that summer. You know what I'm saying? I was doing my thing. And then I, I wasn't missing it. You know, so it got to like 
August, September, I was turning down deals left and right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like turning down deals, but it wasn't nothing like crazy. It was like, once you leave, like the higher, it was like all those middle teams that was coming in. Mm-hmm. So I him down and I, and I didn't really miss it. But then like late September, I started to get the itch. You know, I'm like, I want to play. And that's what I wanted to feel to see if I still wanted to play. So I start work. I start working out like in patches. Like I go to New York, work out with Bricky for like three days, mm-hmm. and then I just forget about basketball again for like five days. And I had to go back <laughs> and prepare. So around November came, teams had stopped calling. So I got worried. So before that, it was like two teams per week. Like okay, this is the deal. I'm like no, no, no. Then in like November came. And shit was like drying down. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, okay, the money. Yeah, got, so. <laughs> because you realize, like, you ain't you ain't got no money coming in, really. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, fuck, you start to think about it. And then St. Petersburg called. St. Petersburg called and was like, yo, we want you. We're going to uh, get rid of uh, the guard that they have, Argentinian kid, La Pulita or something like that. Play mm-hmm. for real Madrid now. Like, yo, we're we going to get rid of them. We're going to bring you in. So I'm like, cool. Send me the contract. Great money. I was like, cool. But then they start, Then they was, I asked about, like, the traveling because I've been in loco and I knew how that, that shit crazy. Right. If you ain't on plane. So then I asked about the traveling. Then I was like, "Oh, I can't go through this again." Mm-hmm. So I just, I just told him to hold off. And then, like a week later, Sevilla coach was like, "Yo, I got a team in Spain. Sevilla, you want to go to a nice city? You know, I'm all about the city too." So I was like, <laughs> nice city, "Back in Spain, but the money was like two times shorter than uh, St. Petersburg." So I'm like, "Fuck it." I want to go back to Spain. So I, I signed. But I'm, th- I'm going there, like, my intentions to hoop and still do the same shit I usually do. So I go to Sevilla, excited and everything. And then after the third practice, I was like, I'm off this shit. like my hips my hip was hurting my everything was just was hurting bro like everything was hurting so we played like a few games and we they was 0 and 10 when i got there like it was like let like 0 and 10 but i wasn't even really tripping on the basketball i just wanted to play so we start playing better, you know what I'm saying? But they they wanted me to score more. But we playing better. We win like a few games, and and I go like I go out. I'm going out and shit. Like not nothing crazy, but I go out. And then the first day I went out. Next day I come into practice. The, the uh, coach like, yo, I heard you was out last night. But he wasn't really bitching, but he just brought it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I stepped out. What's the problem? I was like, no, no, just be careful because people in Sevilla, they talk a lot. So I'm like, okay, left it at that. Then one time I went to Madrid. I used to take the train to Madrid, mm-hmm. come back. 
They was bitching about that. I'm like, oh my God. And after a while, it just became, it just was worried about too much stuff. Like I, was, I hurt my back one time and I, I couldn't play against uh, Victoria. They was bitching about that. So I'm like, all right, listen, how about we just, you know, just cut ties, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So my agent was like, all right, if that's what you want to do, we can do it. He was like, but, you know, we can we, we can still get some money out of it. Because I ain't even really, I just wanted to just quit. Like, But we cut ties and they paid me like 40 grand, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so they paid me like I think they paid me like thirty five, forty grand, and that it was the perfect time. So right after that, it was like February, and and Donnie and uh and my boy Donnie McGrath, he stopped playing at the same time. So he was like, "Yo, let's go to uh like you want to go to um London for Fashion Week." So I'm like. Cool, nigga. Right after that, I went to London Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week. Uh, I went to the Swiss Alps, like to Crans Montana. So with that money that they gave me, I was I was traveling. <laughs> I was traveling. <laughs> Paris Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, all back to back to back to back to back. And then that was it. It was over. That was over, but I knew I, I knew it. Like you, like when you when you get done, you'll know you'll know yeah. when it's time. And that's why I tell people to this day, like if I still if I like worked on my body and shit like that, and I can play in Real Madrid for another five years, I would do that. So I would train my mind and body to do that. But if I got to go to a smaller team and have to deal with practicing two times a day, then worrying about you can't eat at this restaurant at 10 p.m., like all that shit, I can't, I don't have the patience or the hunger to deal with that no more. So trust me, keep playing until they kick you out, for sure. <laughs> keep playing until they kick you out. Like you, you're gonna know, you're gonna know when it's your time to stop. Right. But that's why a lot of retired athletes wanna come back because they don't know. Yeah, they think you're not sure. Oh, but then when that when when you when you ain't making that when you ain't making that money no more, that money don't come in, and you bored, then what you gonna do? Yeah, you probably gonna end up hooping anywhere doing some anyway. So you like might as well DBT bro. So so that's why I tell that's why I tell people to this day like a lot of people like yo. I think I want to retire, and I tell I tell them like yo Malcolm Tyrese. I'm like trust me. You better play until they kick you out if you're in mm -hmm. a good situation. Like if you're yeah. in a good situation and you still love to hoop, play. You know what I'm saying? But all my shit comes back to like my like my childhood at the end of the day. Like I wasn't really like love, love basketball. You know, I love it, but I wasn't like I had a dream to like go in the NBA. So that's why like I knew when it was enough. Talk talk, talk about Talk about like what you what you've been doing now. Um, you know, for the people that don't know, um, like I said, I know a little bit. Like you know, you got the you had the club um, in Madrid, which you know you you basically turn, which is like super smart. I tell you all the time, you basically turn your lifestyle into a business. So you know, talk about you know the club, and then also talk 
you know, about the global the global key travel app and, you know, some of the other things that you're doing? Well, so, like, in, when I got back to Madrid, when I got back to Madrid in 2016, they was doing, like, an influencer, like, thing, like a, a technology integration. I had invested in it. Mm-hmm. So they was put me on all this different technology and everything. So I was posting some of that shit on my story when I was in Madrid. And one of the, one guy from Madrid, he owns a, a concierge company. And this, this story is about how I came up with the Global Key. So he called me and was like, yo, let's have a meeting. I like what you're doing. So he was like, we had the meeting. And he was like, do you want to be a part of my, you want to go in business with me? of my concierge company. Cause at that time I'm like, fuck it, I do it for free anyway. Like anytime someone come in Europe or anywhere, they someone, some, somehow someone get my number and I help them out. So I'm like, cool. So us two, we're going in business together for like the first month and a half. And then I start to learn like different shit. Like, damn, this all it, this is it. I can do this shit myself. You know what I'm saying? I can start my own business. So I was like, after a while, after like two months in, I realized like the guy that I was partnership with, he was good at serving people. Like he was amazing at like concierge, like getting people to this place or talking to this people. But the thing he didn't have was like the style, the swag, the contact. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay. I'm going to let you do your thing, and I can do my own thing. But I didn't want to do a full-on concierge because I didn't want to be responsible for walking somebody's dog or doing yeah, the laundry. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, like, branched off, and I told him I didn't want to, like, be a part of the company no more. But he was cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to use you because if I got, like, big clients, it's going to go through me, and then you could take care of it. So that year, I just was like, I used to play FIFA every day and I used to listen to like uh, different like uh, YouTube interviews. Mm-hmm. So I used to like Damon Dash all the time. Like I always listen to Damon Dash, all his talks about like business and everything. And then one day it like trickled over to all this other like different like podcasts about like business, about mental stuff. So I'm like, oh shit. You know what I'm saying? So I start to learn more by playing FIFA and learn about like life in general, about like other business entrepreneurs. And that got me on my ground about the global key. So I knew I didn't want to do a full on concierge company. I wanted to do an app because I felt as though at that time, everybody's going to move towards apps. Mm-hmm. So I started doing research about like all different other companies and this and that, this and that. And I just wanted to talk about the things that I love. Restaurants, travel, and nightlife. So I found two other companies that were similar. And I kind of like got the idea and I put my own shit, my own brand to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what the key is like. When people in Europe, now everyone's starting to go to Europe and they don't know where to go. Somehow they're gonna get my contact and I can connect them with such and such. Mm. So that that's how I came up with the global key. And I came up with the name just was like shit. A lot of times I do like in Madrid, I got the key to the city. Mm. Like if someone come to Madrid, I, I can get them in anywhere. Or if someone go 
to New York, I know the right people. Like all over the world, I know somebody that knows somebody that gets something done. Shit, so Miami. How, you look this exactly, out in Miami. Yeah. Exactly. I, I like I know someone to know someone to get shit done everywhere. So mm-hmm. that's how I was global key. And I'm still working on that, like getting to where I need to be. Mm-hmm. But it's cool, it's fun, it's like my hobby. Mm-hmm. And then the nightclub happened. I failed, not I didn't fail on that business, but I know how hospitality business work. Like as now, like you see now people, everybody's up that's in hospitality. Mm-hmm. But I how hospitality work. You know what I'm saying? Now I wish I would have been more hands-on because my partner, me and my partner were two different egos, you know what I'm saying? Like he's more like, this is my nightclub. You know, like one of those guys, like I'm the boss, you know what I'm saying? I'm totally opposite. And that kind of cost him. And like he was too pushy, too, too rude. And the two, the two main guys that was running our club, he quit. They quit. And what, what happens when someone like that quit? They take their clients. And that's that's the hospitality in general. So when they take their clients, we went one month in like 2017, 18, we was killing it. Like our the line used to be long around the club. Everybody wanted to get in there. But just like that, it changed. When those two guys not happy, they left. So they left. And when they leave, they took their clients. So now, and I'm not knowing about this because I'm not really paying attention. I'm paying attention, but not like deep, deeply paying attention because I'm letting him do his thing because he's been in hospitality. So when I find out about it, I'm like, yo, like, what we doing? Make a long story short, they left, took their clients, and then after that, trickle effect. Mm-hmm. One person from there and there. And and and, and, it don't, and it don't, we had to close, you know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. had to sell close. But I learned a lot because I want to be in hospitality. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot about dealing in that business. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm happy because I'm going to open something up for myself in the near future. So... You gotta go back though. We got. I know you got a, a funny story with uh, with you and Melo, man. We, you know, definitely gotta hear about that. Yeah, oh, my phone about to die, man. My bad. Let me get. Yeah, you, yeah, man. We got a. I can't even picture one story, man. There's so many. Or a favorite moment, anything. Uh, I think the. I think. One of the one of the cool moments was the draft. You know, like when he got drafted, we was all we was all up in New York and shit. And uh, you know, Melo from another part. Of, I mean, Melo not from the same neighborhood, so he got all his homeboys up there. And I just remember, like, we we up we up in the draft and at his party, we going to different parties and shit. And at that time, Melo homeboys was very like protective of him, like super protective. And we in New York, we had an after party. Melo got older brothers because Melo was born in New York. So he got old, his older brothers and then from New York. So we're in the club, they all getting into it, but they all, we all together. But nobody know that because they from Baltimore and they from New York. And it was a whole big thing outside the club and I, everybody ended up, you know, like breaking it down. But it, it's so many different stories when it comes to Melo. I'm trying to think of one. 
I want to ask you a question about, um, you know, seeing him this, this past year get back on the court and get back in Portland. Like, you knowing him oh. and knowing his struggle and everything. Like, what did that like, – what did that, that, that moment kind of mean for you? And oh, all? man. It, it was amazing because, you know, as I stopped working out and said, I used to always go in the gym and watch him, you know, because they, they still be playing in New York. And he still got it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was in Houston when all that shit happened. So that was, like, the first time – that we like, we actually like talk. Like when all that stuff happened, I was in Houston. I went to his crib, went to his crib. He in there. And he was just he was he was down, man. You know what I'm saying? He was down, and we finally like talked. You know, as like brothers. You know, a lot of times people hold a lot of stuff back. That was the, the second time I think we like really like talked. You know what I'm saying? I gave him my insight on you know, like how I feel about the situation. You know what I'm saying? That was the first time like we actually like talk because I was always away for 11 years. You know what I'm saying? So we never got a chance to like really like talk personal about who. And uh, he just, he, he was he was like, he didn't understand it. You know what I'm saying? And then fast forward it to the summer when he still was assigned, but he was still working out every day. Still working out every day, still everything. So, a week before the news came out, I'm staying at his house in L.A. because my house was getting some renovations. So I'm staying at his crib in L.A. He was like, yo, I'm coming out. He had a few business meetings for his new company. And uh, he came out. We went to dinner, drinking wine. And I was just asking him, like, yo, what's new as far as signing? He was like, shit, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's saying the same shit. So y'all hear that knocking? Yeah, it's straight. It's straight though. Straight. Yeah, you good. Yeah, it's straight. We'll get out. So he was like, uh, he was like, um, everybody's saying the same shit. You know, we want you to bring you in, this and that. And the knock was about his role. You know what I'm saying? Like, people was afraid that he he want to bring attention, regardless. You know, like if if they play mellow ten minutes, oh. How you how you feel about only playing ten minutes, or if you play thirty minutes, why you playing this much? You know what I'm saying. So every team was right about that. So he was just like, man, I'm just tired of. He's like, I'm tired of this shit. Like, if a team sign me, they're gonna sign me. And he was like, he ain't work out for like a week because he was just like focusing on his other businesses. So literally, like two days later, Portland caught at the least expected moment. You know, like they called him, like, yo, like. We want to bring you in. And I was like, damn, that's that's crazy how shit worked. You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah, time just when, when you think. We don't, we don't think it. But it was tough, man, because he ain't never been in that type of situation before either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and, like, stuff that was going on with other things in his life, you know, it was kind of like a refreshing moment for him. He got to kind of step back, look himself in the mirror, and get get right with him, within, with, with, with himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was, it was powerful how everything happened. You know, with him, his wife, his family, his son, how all that played out. It like brought brought strength to him. Oh man, well, I appreciate you, bro. He was still hooping. You know, like he was still busting everybody ass, but it was just like the politics of it. Hoodie, hoodie, mellow. <laughs> sure, <laughs> man, but I, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Like you said, we didn't talk almost 
almost two hours and a half, man, and we can go on for another hour. We could probably go on for another two hours. So, man, I, I appreciate sure. you, you know what I mean, taking the time, and we definitely got to we gotta do this again and talk about the stuff that we missed. But um, I appreciate you, bro. I mean, like I said, I mean, I have the utmost respect for you, you know what I mean, not only as a, a hooper, just as a person. Like, you like you always been, like, one of the dudes that always kept it 100 no matter what and always been real no matter – you know what I mean? We don't talk for five months or six months. You know what I mean? Anytime we still talk to connect, it's still like, you know, like day one. So, like I said, man, I appreciate sure, you man. always looking out. Not only for me, for my family, for my brothers, for, you know, for my people. So, we appreciate it, bro. No, I appreciate you, man. And Kyle, you always one of the guys that was like the most humblest player ever. Person, player ever. You know what I'm saying? You go out there and do your job. I remember the talks we had when you was at the Biakos. It was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you was yeah. you didn't know which way to go. But, man, you're going to be successful whatever you do, man. You got a good heart, champ. Appreciate it, bro. Uh, y'all be cool. I appreciate y'all, man. What's up, All right, man? too, man. Stay safe, bro. Stay safe. 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 St